hello, beautiful people out there, wherever in time, space, or on the globe you are. Welcome to the Celluloid Pudding Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm one of your hosts. I'm here with my delectable, delightful, intelligent, wunderkind of a co-host, Beth. Uh, <laughs> hello, everybody. I appreciate that, Sam. Like, <laughs> I, I needed that after the past two days. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the month of February. We're deep in it now. We are. And, is this uh, our first for February? It is our this first. This is our first you and I. Okay. Yeah, we did Con, which was great. That was great fun. Thank that you, Bill. That was an awesome listen, The Wrath of Con. And Rick. I And uh, it, apparently a lot of our listeners liked it. Yeah, and we um, we like listener interaction. So if you guys want to get a hold of us, you can email us at celluloidpudding at gmail or putpod. That's on Instagram. P-U-D-D-P-O-D on Instagram or celluloid pudding P-U-D-D-N on Twitter for as long as Twitter. Uh, Twitter's been acting up the past two days, mm-hmm. so it may crash and burn or it's only going to work for people that Elon Musk likes. So take your pick. And also, if you go to our Instagram, you will find our link tree. This and, is exciting. Uh, yes. What is a link, a link tree, Beth? Well, for people like me, we've had the link. Okay, here's the thing, guys. We've had the link tree up on our Instagram for a while. We're going to post it on our episode descriptions uh, from here on out. And how do I put this? We do not want to use advertising at all. And we don't want to shill for products. We don't want to beg to shill for products. No. But we do want to keep the lights on. So there is a tip jar on our link tree. So if you want to give us a little something, that's fine. If you don't want to give us a little something, that's fine, too. There is a little bit of expense in using certain platforms to get our content, to record our content and get it out. So if you want to uh, show a little bit of appreciation in the form of our tip jar, we would love it. And that way we can uh, not have to worry about certain things continue to grow our podcast yeah. and eventually we want to do things like set up merch links yeah. with our link tree yeah. and all that other stuff so i think that covers it right i think it does thank you so much for setting that up beth we both pour our hearts into this podcast and love it and it occupies a lot of our you know, creative energy too it takes a lot of that and and we try to give you guys a, a thoughtful episode each week this is our passion project we love doing this podcast. I guess I don't need to say anything more other than spread the word. If you like our podcast, tell your friends, like us, follow us, and tell everybody about our podcast if you enjoy our content. Uh, guest host, yeah. we would love to have you on. So feel free yeah. to email us any suggestions that you want as far as movies that you want us to cover. One of our first guests, guest listener, guest host was uh, Vivica Dunlap, and we did the film After Sun. And Rick, Rick Tetralt, came on for The Wrath of Khan, and he's yeah. a big Wrath of – he's a big Star Trek a human encyclopedia expert fan. <laughs> so it was great. Fun. And he's had, hosted his other podcast for years and years and years, and um, Starbase 66, and it was wonderful that he wanted to come on. Yeah, with he, Bill that, was, that was a real treat, and we always love having Bill on. And by the way, check out the Starbase 66 episodes – they're they're fantastic, and if you want to hear a really lengthy interview that he did with us, check out Starbase 66, and you can find us easily. Beth and Sam. So we're really excited about 
all this guesting. Uh, we, we can talk for hours about anything, a blade of grass. <laughs> we can, <laughs> we can sit there and talk about whatever, Is but it's so, it's invigorating to, to have different perspectives, different insights, you know, different points of view coming in. What's our theme this month? Um, well, we, we started with, I don't even think we've announced the movie yet, but, um, we, we haven't announced the movie. We haven't. But what, this, we're, but this, I was thinking we, as a segue into what we're doing. Yeah. I, I thought it was Valentine's. Like, what is the Valentine movie to ourselves or to, or to, to somebody our else? listeners or yeah, to our listeners? Valentine, yeah. Valentine movie. And I think this is your Valentine movie for sure. Yeah. After. You. After prepping for this episode, it is I no no qualms about claiming this film as uh, honestly it's it's in my top five right now at yeah. this point in my life. This this film is uh, if you ask me my my favorite ten movies, this would be probably in my top five. Yeah, I love this movie so much uh, because of your enthusiasm for this movie. I'd only seen it back in the day ninety seven nineteen ninety seven last century, folks. And I find it highly rewatchable, and you you just appreciate it more and more with each viewing. It's a it's a film to me that I think has you know think I wanted to ask you this. You saw it in the theater. I did way back when I lived in Florida in 1997ish. So I it, it's so funny when I was rewatching it, Sam. Yeah. Donna had come home in the middle of my rewatch. Yeah. Probably my second rewatch, and she just stopped. What she was doing. And that rarely happens when she walks through the door. That rarely happens where she's just kind of like, you know, setting things on the kitchen counter, going through the mail, this stuff you do when you get home. And she just sort of stopped in the middle of it and, and all of a sudden is just drawn into the film again. Oh, wow. And we reminisced about watching that film together, about the first house that we lived in together, rented it from a, probably from Blockbuster and watching that movie together. And we it, it just brought back such great memories. I love it when movies are little time capsules. So what we haven't even announced what the we, we title of the movie. Uh, this is Quentin Tarantino's third film, I believe, I did, as a director. his third film? As a director, yes. Yes, yes, you're right, because Reservoir Dogs, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. And then this film. Film I love. So much. <laughs> and Maybe the, I just love Pam Greer. I don't know. <laughs> who doesn't? She's the queen. God. Jackie Brown. It's a film that it ages like a fine wine. It's beautiful. She's beautiful. We both have looked at lots of interviews and footage and, and also source material because everyone who has been on the planet for any length of time knows Tarantino is obsessed with certain films, black exploitation films, black exploitation, black, black exploitation it's a, it's a portmanteau, right? Black exploitation, exploitation. films, yes. Which uh, you have your detractors and 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 those who who really admire them. Uh, one thing is for sure, and that's that you got a lot of indie talent coming in during the seventies. I think it's a subgenre worth appreciating and exploring. I and I I went briefly down the rabbit hole yeah about uh what was you know what was the first black exploitation film oh and i think it's uh was it sweet sweet badass song by any chance yes okay yeah but it was did you did you read anything about that film i I looked at a little trailer 
I heard, I think I was listening to a Quentin Tarantino interview and, and, or, or something about how he directs and he likes to have little screenings and he had everyone read the novel that this is based on, Rum Punch by Elmer, Elmer Glue. <laughs> Elmer Leonard and Elmer Fudd. Elmer Fudd. The Wabbit. So yeah, I came across Sweet Sweet Badass Song and I looked at the trailer and it's it's confounding. Can, do you know much about it? I don't know anything about it other than it was a struggle for him to uh, – he had uh, Melvin Van Peoples, yeah. father of Mario Van Peoples. Apparently, a couple of studios wanted to make a deal with him to make some movies, like a three-movie deal, yeah. write and direct and star in. Yeah. And they weren't going to – I guess they weren't going to let him make the film he wanted to make. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was an independent film and that uh, – Bill Cosby actually gave him the last 50K to help him finish wow. making. It is, uh, it's credited with being the first of the genre. Yeah. And that's in 1971. So sweet, sweet, badass a, song. I'd never heard of that. There's some uh, interesting, uh, let's see, Van Peebles began to, de- this is in Wikipedia, folks, mm. began to develop the film after being offered a three-picture contract from Columbia, but no studio would finance it. So he funded it himself wow. and shot it independently in 19 days, performing all of his own stunts and appearing in several sex scenes, some reportedly unsimulated. You oh. go, Melvin. Oh, oh. He received a $50,000 loan from Bill Cosby to complete the project. Lots of jump cuts. But I mean, he but he had a style, I think. Uh, I don't think that was like poor choice. I think that was just stylistically. He, that's what he was doing. But I did not know this. The musical score of Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song was performed by performed by Earth, Wind, and Fire. So what? Of course I, really? <laughs> okay. That's amazing. All right. I'm going to see if I yeah. can find that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I want that. I know that Quentin Tarantino had his cast and crew watch Hickory and Boggs and also a Peter Bogdanovich film called They All Laughed, which he considers genius. And I've not seen either of those. I feel really remiss. And we're not gonna we're not going to pretend to to understand or to be schooled in black exploitation, yeah. but uh, that's a good. I would say that information right there is a good starting point yeah. Um, yeah. to start there, or to you know just go on Wikipedia and look at uh, there is a Wikipedia on black exploitation films, yeah. and that's a good place to start for your your deep dive. And and of course we all know that Quentin Tarantino is a controversial director. Uh, he's a brilliant writer, but he uses a, a lot of language that is upsetting to many people. And I don't even know how I can quote this film, Beth, without a, a euphemism here and there, because th- there isn't a line in the film that doesn't use a particular word, is there? No, there isn't. And uh, I think really what we should do is start yeah. off by talking about the source material. Okay. And then we can talk about all the principles yeah. involved before we get into the film discussion. So yeah. interesting little tidbit that, you know, I was today years old <laughs> when I found out that my, one of my f- all time favorite films was <laughs> originally the source material was set where it, in, in our stomping grounds, our home <laughs> territory, West Palm Beach, Florida. They say Miami and maybe later on, but there's a lot of West Palm in there, too. There is nothing but West Palm yeah. in there. 
We knew the Palm street County. names, That's the Singer Island, the bridges, the roads, the just the, the whole The three area. bridges, the middle bridge. He came back across the middle bridge yeah. and I'm like, okay, that's the yeah. one going El- to Okeechobee Elmore Boulevard. Leonard knew that area. He so, drove the streets of yeah. downtown West Palm. Yeah. I don't, he's talking about Greenwood Avenue, Windsor. Yeah. Yeah. I know those near, we know yeah. those neighborhoods yeah. so well. I, I could picture where each of <laughs> a, a particular character's women lived. Um, I could picture yeah. so much in this film because of that setting. And and that's the one, I know you give him a pass, but the one thing I wished Tarantino had done was set it in Florida. I was delighted because I'd, I'd heard Elmore Leonard's name, you know, for so many years. He's been around, he's been writing, what, since the early 50s and uh, highly yeah. revered for the crime genre or, or Westerns, we- I guess, early on. Right. Have we given the 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 title? It's Rum Punch. Rum Punch. The title of the, uh, of I think the novel published first in 1992, and I don't know if it's the sequel or the prequel for Out of Sight. Another another of his. There's there's three, isn't there? Set in in Florida. I I'm not quite. I don't sure. know. What I understood was the main two main characters in Rum Punch also appear and are established in another book. There's um. You know what? I read an article about Elmore Leonard's uh, novels having to do with Florida, and I think what I'll do is I'll just link it in our description. But but I guess Tarantino's logic or way of thinking about this film was I'm going to go to my old stomping grounds. I can't compete with that. I can't compete with Elmore Leonard's intimate knowledge of this particular area. And so he went to South Bay Area, which is where he grew up, you, you know, knew the cement, knew the gravity knew everything about that area so i can appreciate and i i think some i think in a way maybe he looked at the leonard novel as being maybe a little too regional yeah whereas if you shift it to la it's sort of got i don't know just a broader appeal i'm not sure well a lot uh, people can identify landmarks like lax you know um they mm -hmm. they would know that but I, I don't know. I didn't know um, the city of Carson or really South Bay. What's another one in there? There was a, another one oh, in there. I don't know. But um, fabulous cast. In fact, brilliant casting. In the book, our protagonist is a woman, flight attendant. They called it stewardess at the time, a white woman. And Tarantino said, I, I, I need Pam Greer. He, he, he worships at the altar of Pam Greer, right? <laughs> And uh, he as, really wanted her should. for this. And he made some brilliant casting decisions. We've got I De Niro. We've got Samuel L. Jackson, Pam Greer, Bridget Fonda. Why now? You know, it, it took me a few <laughs> couple years, but but I, I really appreciate her performance in this film as well. When I brought this movie up to Sam, she's like, I just uh, that Bridget Fonda. I don't know. About and Jackie her, Brown. Her she damn was just tan legs. She's just so annoying in that movie. And yeah, it's like, kind well, of the point. She's supposed to be. Getting that now a few years later, you know, 20 years later, I get that. I, I did read that uh, there's a, a fabulous character called Max Cherry, and he's a bail bond. And I, I did read that Tarantino wasn't quite decided at first, and he thought maybe somebody like Gene Hackman might play that role, or Paul mm. Newman even. But he walked into it, and, and he had been considering Robert Forster, who was – you know, big into, he was the hunky guy in a lot of B films and hadn't worked in a while. 
but Quentin Tarantino said he always wanted to work with him. And I'm we so glad we lost Robert Forrester, I think, uh, back in, I want to say 2017. Was it 2017? Sure. Just a few years ago. And, uh, that was, uh, that kind of pulled at my heartstrings a little yeah. bit. Yeah. This, his role is just so memorable. Yeah. I believe he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. I don't know who won that year, but uh, Robert Forrester, you were robbed completely. Yes. I think the chemistry between he and Pam Gurr is just amazing. And it's the best mature love story I, I think I, I can think of. When you say mature, for any, any of our younger listeners, yeah. I, we, we were puppies <laughs> relative to yeah. uh, when we saw this film. And their romance or the romantic aspect of this film really hit me at that young and tender age. Yeah. And then all these years later watching this film again. And, and to think that, you know, Tarantino's kind of our age mate, maybe one or two years older. So yeah. to have that depth at that age. It's so odd. It's that, amazing. Um, it is so odd that you look at his, his list of films. Yeah. This is, this it's just kind of it's almost an anomaly in a way. Yeah, <laughs> I guess uh, I, I read something to the effect of uh, those who didn't weren't inclined to like Tarantino in the first place because there is a lot of violence and uh, and and language. Let's say in his films, they like Jackie Brown, and those who are already fans, I include myself in that group, just look at this as yes, an anomaly, but a, a beautiful, beautiful piece in his 10 film canon will he stick with the 10 films i don't know so real yeah um i was just gonna say real quickly going down the list of characters pam Gurr is in the title role folks uh, listening I'm, I'm sure our older audience will know who pam Gurr is for our younger audience if you watch the l word or have watched the original l world l word she had a key role in the l word uh she was bet porter's sister kit i loved that character on Fantastic they killed they killed the character off for the second uh, boot uh, or the the regen of yeah. that but it, it might have been that Greer didn't want to do the the series which is completely fine yeah and I didn't know this I didn't know she had a recurring role on uh, on several series like when we th- in that phase or that span of time when you think some actors aren't working yeah they are working. They are doing television and uh, Miami Vice yeah. was That's, a really big now what show. What are the years? I'm, I'm probably going to ask an off question there. Um, I'm trying to think of the years 86, 87-ish. Yeah, mid, mid-80s to I think the early 90s. Okay. I think the early 90s, maybe 92, 93. Okay. So, so she one, was working one, even though oh, a lot of people had sort of relegated her to, oh, she's from that 70s era and those, those films. And recurring, you know, Recurring roles in steady a series like like SVU, Law and Order stuff yeah. like that. I, I just think he brought her back though to her full glory. Oh God, yeah. And and also this is such a Valentine. We we talked about February being Valentine. It is Valentine to all women. It, it's it is empowering. Uh, there's no expiry date on beauty and vitality, and I don't know what self agency. It, it's just. I'd say it's even an, in in the most positive way uh, a feminist film. There's this Tarantino. kid who made this wonderful film with all those elements. Tarantino regards Pam Grier as the the true first female action 
hero because Ooh. of black exploitation film because that was the reason why he wanted to cast her in this film because she was famous in the genre for doing the film coffee a strong female character foxy brown another strong female character and she had great success in this in the genre of black exploitation cinema yeah. i don't know why or how like the thunderbolts or the idea that struck him that said when he read this novel i must put pam greer in the title role and set it in la that's just genius to me it, it is genius and uh we we've been trying to get through the book not trying but you know it's it's hard to read a really long book in in two days but <laughs> i i will finish this book beth even after we do this episode and look for his oh, other yeah. florida books Definitely going to to check out his uh, Florida books, his Florida related mm-hmm. novels. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Samuel L. Jackson, and I don't I don't think uh, we have to explain who Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> no. is. And Chris Tucker plays Beaumont, you, unrecognizable little baby baby puppy, baby uh, child, <laughs> baby. He, he is just an angel infant. child. He's Chris Tucker, <laughs> but but he gets his Chris Tucker. You you it, it's Chris Tucker. Even even in that embryonic state, he's he's still Chris Tucker. He's memorable, he in, isn't he, for that short time he's on screen? He really is memorable. He's in one of our other favorite films. Oh, I, I the, hope we can do that one soon. The Fifth Element. Yeah, I, I well, who adore that Who does he play in The Fifth Element? He's that, that sort of MC, I don't know, <laughs> social media guru <laughs> king. It, it, that is so weird about that film. It, he, it's sort of the it's dildo the hairstyle. Of, uh, yeah, that movie like predicts the Kardashians almost. He's like the original Kardashian, and, <laughs> and, and his energy is just out of this world. This I, incredible I love him in metrosexual in yes <laughs> film. Men, oh. women, everybody just falling to his feet, and it, that that film is special. But uh, we haven't done a Luc Besson, have we? But, um, I think I he did La Femme Nikita. I'd like to do that now that I have forgiven Bridget Fonda. I would love to do Fifth Element. Yeah. Anytime you want, kiddo. Yeah, I'm in. Robert you know, De Niro. Pl- Go ahead. <laughs> I, I once had a Turkish one sheet for the Fifth Element, and I lost it in my travels and, and you know, just life ways. I don't know. In my travels, let's just say, and I would love to have that back and framed in, in my home. I think I'd like a one sheet of Jackie Brown. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, I'd be very definitely cool. would love a one sheet of. Anywho, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Robert De Niro plays Lewis. Brilliantly, it's so understated. Yeah. You you just don't even realize it till the the second viewing. Recent released con. Yeah, coming coming out of prison, he's on parole. A, a, a little bit damaged. <laughs> he's just, he just looks sort of. Mute and overwhelmed and fascinated by by life out outside of the prison at all times in this film. Really great, understated. I, great compliment to Samuel to... L's, you know, hyper manic energy. I know. <laughs> Just... Yeah, because you know, because uh, Ordell, you know, Samuel L plays Ordell. Yeah. One of the other lead characters. Yeah. And uh, basically the the opposition to Jackie. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I mean, he he's an ambitious man, and he's he's wheeling and dealing, <laughs> constantly talking. And uh, you know what? Uh, we were talking earlier, Beth, about you know how much we thought this might have been ad libbed, 
and how much it was, you know, they were going by script. And what I read was Quentin, he, he likes his script work, but he does give his actors the freedom to ad lib and, and he'll keep things in. And Chris Tucker had a real winner. There's the trunk shot. I think we can say that ahead of time that Clinton, uh, yeah, Clinton, yeah, uh, Quentin, not Clinton, Quentin Tarantino loves the trunk shot, like from the, the trunk's point of view, looking up at characters. And, I love that scene. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think Chris Tucker says, I'll, I'll use the word brother instead of the, the word that, that he chooses, but it's an ad lib word uh, sentence. He said, you, you put a brother in an awkward situation <laughs> like this. <laughs> You know, it's just you can catch a brother off guard. That's it. That's it. Oh my God! You catch it. Say it again. Catch a brother off guard. With you catch it. You catch a brother off guard. <laughs> it's just delivered with such sincerity and indignation. Oh God! And uh, apparently everything came to a halt after that. Like they got it. They got it. But uh, everyone was just cracking up. They were probably losing it. Um, Chris Tucker is super funny in this film, yeah. and he's super funny in Fifth Element. Um, man, he is magnetic. And he, yes. uh, Rush Hour. Yeah. If you guys like like uh, the Rush Hour films, that's that's Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. And I, I think we're I don't know what version we're on now, one, two, three, but yeah. uh, those were hit movies. We have Bridget Fonda, who's playing Melanie. <laughs> his his and little I think blonde it's a little surfer girl. Yeah, I think Little Blonde Surfer Girl, but in the novel, not so much. He makes some choices, Quentin, that deviate from the book. He has another setting. Instead of Florida, it's L.A. He chooses a black woman instead of a white woman. One of the main characters, because one of our antagonists, I guess, played by Samuel L. Jackson, has three women and, and sort of bounces from one to the other. And uh, and one of them is played by Bridget Fonda, that's Melanie, and in the book she's described as a a big girl, girl. and older, right? And this is yes. young, young surfer girl Bridget Fonda. Yeah, I think you get the impression, or when she's talking to Lewis at one point, he asks her, "How old were you in this picture?" Yeah, and then I think she says she's fourteen, and then we find out she's twenty-one. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was a little bit confused by all that. I was too. I think we were supposed to be confused. Like, okay. Yeah, it's it, um, it, it's a figure. It, you know what it is? It's a character study instead. I think it's more important the character study and the unraveling of this of this story than the actual end game. That's satisfying, that, yeah. certainly satisfying. But I love it's, getting to know these characters. It's such a satisfying film. Yeah, Quentin, thanks um, for I letting wanna, them hang out. Yeah, um, I want to give a little credit here. Uh, Sharonda, who plays. Mm-hmm. One of the other girlfriends for Ordell is played by Lisa Gay Hamilton. People might know her for – she's been in a ton of stuff. But uh, most recently and probably more well-known for playing Condoleezza Rice in – I think it was the Oscar-nominated film Vice. Okay. okay. So that – and that got a lot of uh, Oscar noms. And Simone is played by Hattie Winston, and she's been in a ton of – films and but also but sort of uh not not the lead lead roles but she's had a lot of work and uh on tv and in film but but in this film i think she must have what uh 45 or 50 seconds of screen time and she's just packs a punch she's so potent (laughs) just we'll explain why yeah (laughs) she really loves the supremes in this this film Some interesting uh, cameos, if if you want to call them that. What was the one you found? All right, all right. I read that Danny DeVito 
did a cameo. So I sat there, and it's during the opening credit sequence, which we'll talk about in a second, but I looked and looked, and indeed you do see a rather short-statured man walking away from the, uh, what is that thing called, the TSA area, but you never see his face. Did did you see his face? I don't think so. I think you just see him. I want to know the story behind that. Yeah, I mean, did they just because I know the shots were actually filmed at LAX. They allowed that in some way. And uh, maybe I I guess you'd have a lot of talent just cruising through there constantly. Maybe you said, hey, will you walk through? I don't know. Did you uh, happen to notice who the judge was? Uh, I did. Uh, He's a famous (laughs) guy, Sid Haig. And I didn't know about this this actor I, I knew and until I read about it for this episode. Do you do you have some background on him? He was wonderfully potent too. No, no go ahead. I think he was a, a B king also, B C level, and he always played kind of the criminal element in his films. So Quentin Tarantino got a kick out of casting him as the judge in the courtroom during uh, Jackie Brown's arraignment. Well, Sid Haig was in. I'm looking down his selected uh, selected filmography. I did not know this, so I'm learning this just now. Okay. The Big Bird Cage. He was in Black Mama, White Mama. I need to see Coffee. That. Yeah. These were these coffees of Pam Greer film. Foxy Brown Greer film. Yes. A lot of B movies. Some some of the uh, like horror exploitation. Yeah. Some black black exploitation, and if. People are uh, people that are fans of horror that kind of follow the genre. Like if you've been following it for the past 20, 30 years, he was in, uh, oh, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, the remake of Halloween, just a bunch of stuff. He has a presence, though. And what I read was they didn't tell Pam Greer about him. And so for that courtroom scene, she looks up and there's Sid Haig like, hey, that's. I know that dude. Um, so <laughs> he was just, what a prank to pull on her. But but he, you know what? He's a tremendous actor because he's also there for all of a minute, and it's during the arraignment of of our our heroine, and the the two cops who brought her in or the, the special agents are asking for twenty five thousand dollar bail for her because bail bond yes. is kind of a big theme in this, and he takes a look at her, and softens. Just not, he's not saying anything, but you see him soften and say, "I'm going to set it for ten thousand." I know. I thought that was a really great, yeah. uh, great little thing. There's a lot of happened. physical acting in this film that's just so subtle that, that you just have to take that in the second time, third time, fifth time, t- tenth time. You can just keep watching this. I'm so glad I bought the DVD, Beth, and didn't just stream it. I thought I had the DVD. But you know what? I got the the regular <laughs> DVD, and I I'm sure there must be a 25th anniversary version out there yeah. with lots of extras. This film got a lot of love in, back in December of yeah. 2022 yeah. because it was celebrating its 20 uh, 25th anniversary. Yeah. What's weird to me is it's currently if you try to stream it on any of the platforms like Hulu, it's nowhere. It's Casper, nowhere, man. Just. It's ridiculous. So is that because there's a beef with the distributor or or what is that? Yeah, we want to know why it's not anywhere that you can stream. Amazon, eight bucks and and the movie is yours. And and I would encourage anybody out there to get their hands on that. 
I think it's one of the best movies of the 90s, period. And, and brilliant casting and intuitive casting, not just intuitive, but he had to be sitting on this for a long time. Uh, it said that when Pam Greer went into for, for her reading with Tarantino, she walked into the room and saw One Sheets for Coffee and Foxy Brown, all of her work. And she asked Tarantino, did you put those up just because I was coming in for this? And he said, I was going to take them down because you're coming in, but I didn't have time. No, those are always up. <laughs> so he, he, he really <laughs> loves Pam Greer. Yeah. And who doesn't really? It's, it's easy to see why yeah. though. Yeah. Um, I can't, well, do we want to get into, is there yeah. any, anything else we want to mention as far as the principles and, I, I do think it's worth mentioning um, the rum, pen, rum punch, just the shock I had. And we had it. We both were ordered the book. Yeah. The You ordered uh, the we both ordered the paperback. Yeah. And I should have gotten the hardback. It was like we started, less, I think. But yeah. we started reading it at the same time. And I think we both fell out of our chair at the same time. Probably. <laughs> Like what? Like, Olive we know Avenue. These roads. We know all Dixie of these. Dixie Highway. What? Are you kidding me? Singer Island. I know exactly where you're going the on Singer Gardens Island. Gardens Mall. Yeah. Talking. That blew my mind. The Gardens Mall blew my mind too. Just the Gardens Mall blew my mind because I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Del Almo Almo Mall. Yes. In Jackie Brown is really supposed to be the fucking Gardens Mall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and we had a bunch of crappy malls before that around the era, didn't we? You had to go down to Boca to get a good mall. Yeah, town There's center. nothing really in West Palm, so that was a fantastic, right? And he mentions the mall, the Gardens Mall on PGA Boulevard, and, and it just sort of blows your mind. If you're from it's the, the Mall of the Gods. Yeah, yeah. Now it's the yeah, it's it's a it's still a really nice mall. Very yeah, uh, pricey I, stores. Yeah, I haven't been there in and it, it's oh, always 20 kind years. of been like that. What I miss about the OGness of yeah. that mall yeah. is you used to be be able to come. Um, well, one, the Nature Company. Yeah. We were talking about how much we love that store. Yeah. And two, when you come through the food court, and they always had an, an they they still do have a really nice food court. Yeah. But was it Barney? There was not a Starbucks. They there was a Barney's. There was, was a Barney's. Side. I'm trying to remember if that's and where the were, Banana Republic huge, was too. There was a huge open – it was like a bar. Like you would yeah. walk in, but it was a coffee bar. Yeah. It was right there in the middle of of the food court, like sort of up and, you know, it, no, that, it was so That was cool. a religious experience going to that mall after our crappy little malls. <laughs> and conceptually, when it opened, it was just so cool. Yeah. And, and, uh, and now – I'll never look at it the same. <laughs> no, it was an event to go to that mall. I do remember that. And uh, next time you're there, Beth, take a picture of it for me. Just or maybe for our page. It brings back such great memories. And I think Loman's Plaza was the movie theater closest to that mall that I would go to. Yeah, there's no, there was no, you're right. There was no, it, unlike other malls, yeah. there was no movie theater there. You were there to spend your money. You You were. <laughs> You were, and, and boy, did we. God, well, I, I, I mean, they had Banana Republic. I'm just trying to think. They had Banana Republic. They had uh, Pottery Barn came later. What was the other one? I'm just trying to uh, think. They must Crate have had the, the El Crate and Barrel. They must Crate have had a great record store, probably a Brentano's in there, I'm thinking. They had well, great, one of those bookstores. They had a great bookstore. Yeah. 
was it they, they had an FAO or? Schwartz, I think, yeah. at one time. Yeah, they, they've always had Bloomingdale's. They always had Macy's. Oh my God, they're Bloomingdale's. They had Saks. I, I think that's still my religion. Sachs. Or was is, is Bloomingdale's still with us? I don't see those around anymore. I don't know. I don't know. And but it was a. Uh, they were definitely going after a certain clientele at that mall. Yeah. But you could go in there, and they always they did have a Sears. That was the one thing that was cool. Is they had the most awesome Sears, and Donna's father helped open that Sears. Oh really? Yes, I didn't he did. know that. He helped open that Sears. Wow. He they called him out of retirement to help them open the housewares, uh, you know, because of the uh, appliances and everything. Yeah, he'd worked in their appliances uh, division or whatever for years and years. But well, that's he actually very helped cool. them open that. Yeah, I've yeah. known you all these years, and I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was such an experience. Even if you didn't have the big bucks, you, you stood a little taller, right, after leaving the mall. And I do think the food court scenes in this film, yeah. if you look at them and and you just kind of tune out some of the surrounding stores, yeah. it does. this food court does remind me so much of – in the film, does remind me of the old food court design and setup in the Gardens Mall. So he got that right. Picking the mall out there in wherever he picked whatever mall that is. I don't yeah. even know if that's a real mall, but I don't know. <laughs> but but I thought there's there's one scene where our, our leading man. I mean, there are a couple of leading men, men, Samuel L. Jackson and also the Robert Forster bail bond Max Cherry character. He's selecting a Delphonics cassette tape. And I swear that looks like the inside of Specs records and tapes to me. But maybe it's Sam Goody. <laughs> maybe they all had this a, a similar Goody's. layout. But I don't know if uh, Gardens ever had a Sam Goody's. What did they? They did. Did they have a Specs? I'm what trying to think. They must have. Oh man. Where did I work at Specs for all of two weeks? I think. But they were all over the place. It was either Sam Goody, Peaches, or Specs, right? Peaches but, was was local though. Yeah, that was only West Florida. Palm. Okay. Yeah, I think it was only only in West Palm. I worked there for a couple of weeks too. <laughs> <laughs> I worked everywhere in Palm Beach County for a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, there's a great. Speaking of you know records and tapes, there's a wonderful, very retro soundtrack, of course, that goes to the film Jackie Brown, and you just you're lost in it. It's so perfect. Yeah, I think now's a good time to actually get into the. The my favorite part of the film, yeah. one of my favorite parts of the film, which I think it's one of the greatest intros to. A, a oh movie my god! Ever. Epic, <laughs> epic, and not a. Com it's here's the other thing too, because I'm like, if you're a movie fan, you've probably seen the in, the intro to The Graduate. It's very different. It it is somebody on a conveyor belt. Yeah, you know those little. People mover. That's the term I was looking for in my mind. What is that thing that moves you but isn't yeah. steps? It's a the, conveyor. The little belt. airport okay. people mover thing. Yeah. But uh, I went back to check, and actually, the graduate scene starts with him facing forward uh, in a in a seat on a plane. Yeah. And then we do have that uh, sort of profile moving down a people mover. Yeah. And I I do think it's kind of interesting. Well, one, she's an airline stewardess. So that's kind of a natural thing to show her in her uniform at the airport. Yeah. And I do think it is a sort of a, a hat tip or Easter egg or homage to The Graduate, which was yeah. in its way a countercultural film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Black exploitation films are countercultural. Yeah. And uh, 
so I do think that was a mindful nod to the graduate. Uh, also, Tarantino noted that in every Pam Greer film, the opening of the film is always her in, in her full glory walking or strutting or running. So there's yes. always a, a Pam Greer establishing shot. And he wanted to make the mother of all establishing shots because that's one long that is credit sequence mother. with nothing but Pam Greer to, to hold the visual. And boy, does she. She's wearing this fabulous stewardess uh, uh, uniform, and she's on the conveyor belt, and you realize her strength and her beauty, and it's all from profile, right? Or do we get a, a head on as well? There are these great – I I could watch that intro over and over and over and over again and not get sick of it. Um, there are these great transitions. First you get the um, – oh, and I never noticed before except for this time watching uh, – preparing for this episode. Yeah. The wall that she's going, moving in front of, I never noticed the, noticed the change of the colors. I got so that on my second viewing. The first one, I was so focused on her. Yes. Yeah, I was so focused on her. All the times I've seen this movie before, yeah. and this is the first time I'm like, oh, it's blue. Oh, wait, now it's a peach. Now it's an orange. Now it's, <laughs> yeah, the colors um, pop. Yeah, it's so great. And, and, her color's blue, man. And if you, There's if something you, about... Go ahead. Yeah, and she compliments it with this. What, what color is that? Cerulean. I, I, I don't know what color blue her her uniform is, but there are a lot of blues in there. And and she's just. You don't know at first what what she's doing. Is she is she going somewhere? And and after this long long sequence of just looking at her, and he has it sort of framed so she's screen to the right of the screen with a lot of negative space uh, mm-hmm. to to her left. She's just trying to get to work. But by the end of that credit scene, you're in love with her and think, who is this badass woman and what's she going to do? She comes off the conveyor belt and they're scanning and there's that other it's a, it's another like tip to the graduate in the graduate. They just show the suitcase moving yeah. through the conveyor belt. OK, when they're not showing Dustin Hoffman, I would not right? have they, connected they those Dustin, dots if you didn't tell me. The, they, the graduate. They're showing the profile, Dustin Hoffman. Then it switches to the suitcase moving along the conveyor belt, whereas in the Jackie Brown intro, yeah. it's her profile, the beautiful profile, gorgeous profile, yeah. chin up, proud face, gorgeous, comes off. She's coming through the TSA. Yeah. But before that, you see the scanners, the X-ray, yeah. as they X-ray the luggage instead of the suitcase moving yeah. along. So yeah. I, I really do think it was mindful of the graduate. Well, that's that's so interesting. It. And I thought I knew that film well, and I know I want to cover it, but but I did not make that connection. So good call on that. Wow. But when she's leaving, that's when you were like, is it always in profile? No, it's not, because she comes around, and then you see profile again, but then – you get that front shot too, where she's walking down the terminal, and it's a really powerful part of this song, uh, Bobby Womack uh, across 110th Street. Yeah. And is there a film I, actually called that as well? Yes. Okay. It's a black exploitation film okay. that he he wrote that song for, and I didn't know. Did you know where he was born, Bobby Womack? West Palm Beach. Up. I don't. Oh, in Europe. Be cool. I, I mean, if I found that out, I'd be like, this is awesome. I don't know. Where Where is he from? Cleveland. Oh, my adopted in, uh, near nearby city. Yeah. I uh, grew up super, super poor, super poor yeah. in the ghetto. Um, in the ghetto. The songs he wrote, he knew about. Yeah, definitely. But I love this song. I, I love it. He played with everyone. 
and it well before well before he um became a solo artist yeah um but this song fits that title yeah in that intro so well um yeah you yeah the the brothers johnson a strawberry letter i've i'd heard the song but i didn't know the brothers johnson oh i i used to like love the that brothers song. i mean Bill I withers um uh, who is he and what is he to you just listen to that song and that's the the whole i don't know impulse of the movie the whole question in the movie that everyone's asking weird johnny cash right suddenly well, tennessee said great yeah that was great yeah. Now, now, according to this, there's a Pam Greer piece, but I'm I'm not sure where it is. A long time woman. Was that cut? Woman. Yeah. Um, that's her. That's her single. She had a, a hit single. Let's see what else. The Delphonics, and and it's very important to understand who the Delphonics are when you watch this film because uh, there's some discovery there, and there is a Minnie Riperton song, and I I have very low tolerance for. May she rest in peace with her. Hi <laughs> hi voice but Minnie Riperton song inside my love but just the whole soundtrack is elevates you maybe not the it's Johnny a, Cash it's a great soundtrack um yeah. uh, we you weren't able to find a soundtrack but there no. is a there is a playlist on Spotify yeah of all the songs yeah now it depends sometimes on those lists I had to look at a couple of them because people would put similar songs or similar artists to well, make the ultimate you can jacket. collab yeah and sort of add songs that you feel are sort of you know belong in that universe yeah yeah <laughs> and, and, and to, by the way universe is a great a great word because there's the Elmore Leonard universe and usually a Tarantino universe and I think that Tarantino very much wanted to create or live in or occupy the Elmore Leonard universe. He let go. He didn't need to be the control freak. Tarantino is, you know, he has a reputation for, for being uh, very hands-on, and he let it go. He said, this is Elmore Leonard's, who happened to be executive producer. So there's that. We were talking about this, too, about is Pulp Fiction – Jackie Brown and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Is this his, uh, basically his LA trilogy? Yeah. I do wonder. I do wonder too. Yeah. So we have that long credit sequence and, and just no dialogue, just the glory that is Pam Greer on the screen and then fade to black when she finally reaches the terminal and, and, you know, just Buenos in the nick dias. of time. Sorry? <laughs> Buenos dias. Buenos dias. Like I would have broken a sweat. She did not break her sweat after that, you know, epic journey through the airport. And what's uh, what's cool is he also he so he shows so much about her character. Yeah. She's proud. She's strong. She's yeah. got it together. Yeah. Beautiful. But then, oh man, and I love that goddamn song. And yeah. she's when you see the plane, like United goes by. I was. It's got yeah. this really retro feel to it yeah. but then she realizes oh crap i'm running late yeah so the pace that, becomes faster and faster yeah and she looks a she goes from that strength to just a little bit of vulnerability like yeah. shit yeah yeah <laughs> you know I, I gotta you know i got bills to pay i got a job i gotta yeah. hold down and i love that yeah love that little from her strength of, to her reality is is what i read somewhere yeah and, that's excellent I like that transition and uh, then we get a fade to black and our first introduction to, to Ordell. 
Robies, is that his surname? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's mouthing off a mile a minute. And he's talking to another character, played by De Niro, called Lewis. So we've got Ordell and Lewis. And what looks to me like very much like a Florida condo. And, uh, it does look and, like a Florida condo. And, and so you have Bridget Fonda. Mel, uh, her character character's name is Melanie, and, and she's one of Ordell's ladies. And she's smoking pot, getting high, and the telephone's constantly ringing. And you have a very Quentin Tarantino thing going on on the television, which is, what, chicks who love guns. <laughs> and it's just, I love my, nothing comes between me and my AK-47 and just lots of boobs and big guns. And what I read was that was sort of a, a hat to, to uh, Fred Olin Ray, notable for having I don't know, lots of women with uh, who were well-endowed and had big guns, big boobs, big guns. So so you had a little fun with that. And what Ordell is doing is pitching to Lewis a scheme. He's a gun runner. Yeah, they knew each other. We find out that they did time together mm. a few years back and that uh, and that Lewis has just gotten out of the clink. Like what? What did he say? Because she four asked days ago him. or something. He holds up yeah. five fingers and then four. He, like he can't count to five. <laughs> but um, <laughs> four, four days. He, what did you call? There's an expression you use all the time. It's like preverbal. <laughs> yes, he, he does seem preverbal. Like you know, he, he on the one hand he seems very thick, but he's he's also very aware. I mean, he's taking in a lot of information from from Ordell, who's giving him. I don't know, every kind of gun type there is, but he's also acutely aware of Bridget Fonda's lovely tan legs, and she's very flirty with him. And he's probably feeling a little shell-shocked being out of prison. He plays it wonderfully. It's a culture shock thing, you know, having just got out four days ago. And in the novel, we do find out that this is his third time. Yeah, three strikes. Yeah, and uh, it, and. Leonard Elmer Leonard makes a point in the novel that different characters around Lewis do comment about you're not right. Yeah. It does something to your thinking, to your head when yeah. you've been in yeah been in prison three times. He's got the prison stare. He looks like he's been working out. I, I, I don't know. From Ordell's point of view in the book, I get the impression that he approves of the time Lewis spent in jail. Like it it helped him to mature. For, for, their, yeah, and, for their game. And it it tells you, too, how smart Ordell is because he's only been uh, – in the book, it makes a point of saying he's only been nicked once in like yeah. 20, you yeah. know, 20 years that he's been on law enforcement's yeah. map, radar. In the novel, they're running guns back and forth to Jamaica. Yeah. Is it Jamaica or yeah. the uh, uh, I thought it was Columbia, and that's how he – Rum Punch was the code name. That Ordell oh yeah, received. that's right for his for yeah. his little scheme. Yeah, and here he's running them back and forth to Mexico, and of course he has the Jackie Brown character, who is conveniently a stewardess, and and this is how we, we don't know this yet because we're back and forthing a little bit, but in the book you know right away that that Pam Greer is going to get nabbed, ATF, yeah, and somebody else. Well. In the course of the phone calls, he gets one phone call from the guy that's receiving the guns. Yeah. Mr. Walker. And then the next phone call, and, and we can tell there's a little bit of tension oh. between him and It's, it's <laughs> a wonderful, wonderful uh, physical. It, it's like Melanie is this sullen, insolent teenager 
and he's a, more of a paternal figure. And he's also trying to show off for Lewis a little bit, like my woman will fill my glass with uh, ice and answer the phone for me. But she's not doing it. She just stares him down for everything. And Why should it's I? a it's silent you. struggle between them, right? Right. So she goes. She gets up. The second phone call she gets up, she goes. It's. She just picks it up and goes. It's for you. She doesn't even. Oh, it's for you. <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell he's he's just grinding his teeth because he wants Lewis to be impressed, and she's just not. She's flirting openly with Lewis during this time as well. Yeah, putting her feet close to his glass. It's, fun, it's very fun obvious. fact. In in every Quentin Tarantino film, there is at least one barefoot scene, and ah. he's, I guess, known for his his fetish ways nothing wrong with that we we nothing, all like things not gonna judge you no nope. quentin nope. and uh, <laughs> so this is this all takes place uh, supposedly and it doesn't mean anything to me if it had been singer island it would but uh, it takes place on hermosa beach in california and well funny yeah. that you should say singer island because yeah. in the book it's palm beach. he has his condo with melanie in palm beach shores which is a little town right there on singer island yeah I, he said, "Just I'm picturing it just south of the public beach, and I know that public beach so well. Yes. And then if you went north, you got some nicer houses, I think, all through that mangrove uh, road area. Yep, on the on the uh, inlet, or not yeah. inlet, but um, intercoastal side, you have little streets. But then if you get a, go down a little further, yeah. you have the condominiums yeah. on, on both sides, and then – in the book, hotels we, like uh, I think there was the Tahitian, I want to say, and yeah. a few others down there. MacArthur Public Beach, which oh, yeah. used to be known as Air Force Beach, which, which was, was the nude, nude beach, beach, yeah, in Palm Beach County when we were growing up. So confused by that Air Force Beach being a nude beach. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> the name? But that's not what happens in the novel. Okay. So, or I mean, in the film. Yeah. So we cut to. Uh, we meet our next important character. Yes. Ordell's one of the phone calls is that the guy that works for him, Beaumont, is in jail. And he, he severely reprimands Beaumont. We we don't get a glimpse of him yet, but reprimands Beaumont. How did how are you stupid enough to get a DUI and uh, have a, a firearm, illegal firearm on you while you're on probation? So Ordell needs to get him out of this mess. Because he has a prior that involves Ordell's gun running business and machine guns. So he makes his way to Max Cherry Bail Bonds. <laughs> what, what was the other? Tommy Broderick. Bail, bail, Tommy Broderick's Bail, bail Bonds. Bond. I don't know how we knew that, but I guess it was a thing in Florida. You, you knew your pawn shops and your, and your bail bonds. And, uh, and I don't know. This establishes Robert. Forster's potency as as the real deal, a fine actor. I love the first encounter. You know, Ordell goes in there with his with his man purse. Yeah. <laughs> I was admiring that man purse, by the way. I would like that. He's I always dressed in the my, nines in this too. I, I always I found myself really impressed by Ordell mm-hmm. this whole yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, he's the bad guy. You're not supposed to like him. Yeah. Why? But but he is what he is. So you know he 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 is what he is, and he's very good at it. But yes, and and he's got three very different women, so he's got different sides to him, or likes different sides. And at one point, oh. Bridget Fonda, as they're watching the chicks with guns, film, 
film within a film. Uh, Bridget Fonda's character, Melanie, says Demi Moore. And then I had to rewind, like, did Demi Moore make a cameo in this? But I couldn't figure it out. I, I think it was just a, I think it was just a, like, um, like she looked like Demi Moore, maybe. Oh. So she's making the crack. They, they were pretty built buff, these ladies with guns. Ordell comes in. He, he, <laughs> he isn't paying any attention to what's going, you know, yeah. what is acceptable inside this bail bonds office. He's like, uh, you got an ashtray and he's like, you can use that cup right there. He just lights up a cigarette. He doesn't care. And Max is no nonsense. Yeah. He's like, total pro. Who's it for? Mm. Oh, Beaumont. Is that his first name? What's it? What's his full name? He doesn't know. He goes, well, I think it's his Christian name. Matt, but Max doesn't, you know, he makes a phone. He knows just who to call in records. Yeah. Gets the full name. Beaumont Livingston's his last name. Yeah. He asks him the amount for the bail because that's a little high. So he knows his business inside yeah. and out. Yeah. And he's no nonsense. And he, he's not. And he doesn't take – Ordell sort of tests him with, with questions and oh, the, do you know picture. what a big deal I am kind of questions. And Max Cherry is not going to take the bait. He's just steady. He points out a picture on the wall of uh, Winston, who yeah. is a co-worker, and, and, he, and Winston's uh, black. And he goes, so – he goes, was that your idea to take that picture? You know? And and kind of just putting little digs into. Are you, are you too tight? But you're the boss, aren't you? And yeah, and Max go. Cherry just doesn't fall for it. By the way, he has a much bigger part, Winston, in the book. I realized. Yes, he did, does. Did you realize that? Yes, I, I wondered yeah. about the cuts there. But he, whoever the actor is, I think something tiny, like you know how big people will get a a little nickname. <laughs> An enormous mountain of a man gets yeah. the nickname Tiny. Yeah, so uh, Lister is, is the surname, and he has a great presence, too. So potent, but, yeah. Yeah, Max is no-nonsense. He's in their office is not for a bail bondsman office, and it's yeah. even in the book, too, that yeah. it's very squared away, it's very clean and neat, Yeah. and uh, and Max is very squared away, all the way down to the Sansa Belt slacks. Yes, and, <laughs> He's a square, a square man, very square, which which makes the, you know, what happens next all the more intriguing. uh, You can smell his aftershave. Yes. (laughs) There's no such thing. Well, there was smell of vision, but yeah, if you could, you yeah. yeah. What would be popular in '92 for men? I don't know. Canoe or oh, something. Oh no, Max would be wearing, you know, Old Spice. Old Spice, okay. I just know he would. <laughs> yeah. He and wouldn't be canoe, maybe canoe. Yeah, he wouldn't be wearing Brute. Brute's a, a teeny bopper. Cologne. Yeah, that's true. Oh gosh, Paco Rabanne, gray maybe? flannel. I don't know. <laughs> no, that might have been too posh for him. Only on a date night, maybe yeah. really, really special date yeah. that his, you know, daughter got for him or something. Yeah. So, so, so he's wheeling and dealing with Max. Max not having it. He, he doesn't make any disparaging remarks to, to Ordell, but he's, he's all business. Meantime, you have De Niro's character, Louis, sort of banging around the front of the office. And he wanders into the room where <laughs> these two men are conducting business and says he's going to go out to the car. And Ordell has to even explain to him how to open the car. <laughs> you know? Uh, he makes the sound that it's supposed to make yeah. so that, you know, to kind of help Lewis out. Yeah. 
it looks looks like he make car turn on me oh oh he's, he's just <laughs> he's a luddite and he yeah. tell he tells him like no listen to the music but uh you can turn up the volume and everything but don't touch my levels i got them where i like them right where i like them so I, I think the dialogue is very reasonable and very believable oh yeah i, I feel like i'm i'm with these guys so we get a, a cut to uh he gets the he puts up the thousand dollars yeah for the bond cash max is gonna bond him out yeah yep. and and then later we hear the do we see the cut for tony curtis talking yeah what about, the hell <laughs> <laughs> there's i thought that was a real it, it is. It's Tony it Curtis a- saying on the late, late show. But first you see Ordell at night going to uh, Beaumont Livingston's house. So he was lying to Max Cherry. He knows the guy's full name, but he wants to put some distance. And he rings the buzzer and we get a cutaway to Tony Curtis on the late, late show saying, I need a younger woman and a beautiful woman because that's part of my lifestyle. What? I don't it know what he said. It's a strange quote. It's, but I didn't know that that was all, all done up for the movie. I, Wait, it is? I think so. Oh my God. Because like Tony Curtis says himself, I, I'm like, I don't know that that's real. You know? <laughs> Who says that be. though? I, it looked like, it looked like a clip from either like one, one of those old, like late night, like Larry King or something yeah. from, you know, the 90s and with an earnest face saying you know with my lifestyle i need to have a beautiful woman a beautiful woman and of course nobody my age they'd have to be much younger and uh and i guess that's legit in 92 or whenever (laughs) now every time i see that i just crack up i don't know why it's so funny no and the hair is really a thing to behold i don't know how much aquanut but um yeah so ordell's Encounter or is basically getting uh, Beaumont out of bed. Yeah. And the first, you know, Beaumont's reaction is, "Thanks for getting me out, man." And he's home. And yeah. Uh, but there's a there's a little uh, requirement attached to uh, to Ordell getting him out. Yeah. Using very colorful language, Ordell tells. <laughs> The Chris Tucker character Beaumont that, you know, I don't want to be the kind of brother who, who give, you know, grants a favor, then asks for a favor in return. But essentially, I'm going to do that. And he gives the Chris Tucker's like, Oh, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. But he's taken aback. Oh, man, I just wanted to get high and I'm in for the night and you want me to go out. Oh, man. So relatable though. Yes. You know, once you, when you've, when you've had a bad 24 hours and, yeah. and Beaumont certainly has, you're home, you know, you've taken, you get your loungewear on. He does look very comfy. He does. And apparently he likes to watch Larry King because that's what that show reminded me of. I know, he's sitting there getting watching high watching Tony Curtis on Larry, Larry King. King or whatever he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he's such know. a baby in this. Uh, just how old do you think he is? Like oh 18? my God, he looks like he's 20. <laughs> just really young. Really young. He, when when they're standing outside of his apartment. By the way, um, Samuel L. Jackson, the way they have Ordell dressed, yeah. the, like silk black pants and a silk shirt, you know, yeah. short. Wait, there was a shirt. famous cap too. This uh, beret. Uh, Kanga oh. is it Kanga the Kanga. berets? Yes. Yes. He and he just is liquid. 
yeah. as he's moving moving down the walkway there in yeah. front of you pointed that out to me and I, I had to go back and look and yes he, you said he moved like a dancer and indeed he, he does he does he's just so graceful and and i i don't know i was just kind of comfortable in his skin. Worked out all this yeah. time they they walked down to <laughs> ortel's car yeah and when um when they're outside of his apartment uh chris tucker looks young but when they're by the trunk and the way he kind of scratches his head, the little gestures yeah. that um, he Beaumont is doing, that, that Chris Tucker is doing. That's some instinctive acting, like uh, for a much older actor. So he's the real deal, Chris Tucker. And he just looks like a baby child. He, like, he does, but <laughs> you just want to come back in bed. <laughs> just and and the deal is, Ordell wants Beaumont to get into the trunk. The story he gives Beaumont is that he's going to meet some Koreans, as he says and do a, a gun deal and he's never done business with them and his rule is always have backup so he tells beaumont you're going to ride in the trunk with this sawed off shotgun and when i open it you're gonna you're gonna rack it up right right away and beaumont looks at at ordell like i you want me to get in that nasty dirty tr- no way no way and ordell just guilts him into it i just spent ten thousand dollars on your ass you won't get in a trunk and help me out for this one little deal and what's the line again the improv line <laughs> you, you put a brother in <laughs> you, you catch your brother off guard <laughs> you catch your brother off guard it's he doesn't use the word brother yeah um we should mention this here i think yeah. it's a good time to um yeah what what was it that Samuel Jackson said about the N word? Uh, about because the N word, uh, he infamously uh, in an interview, he had to defend. He was defending himself and also Quentin Tarantino for the use of the N word in his movies because, in Tarantino's mind and and those of his cast member, that's how people talk in these in these situations. And Samuel L. probably to make the interviewer uncomfortable used the word and cajoled the interviewer and said don't don't say the n-word that sounds silly it's a word why are you empowering that word say it say it say it and just in in the way that only i think samuel l can deliver that word to to anybody watching and uh, i don't know if he got the interviewer to to say it or they just scrapped it or what i um i understand the argument but i also feel like i don't have the right to ever use that word in no matter what the context, I just find the word offensive. But the story is know. Tarantino had a what, what did his mother do? But there she, was something she was you there. said he said though that was there was a reason. Um, he he wanted to dec- he wanted to decriminalize the word, and and I think that's my spin on it. But uh, he 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 thinks there's too much power. All right, we were rated E for explicit. Uh, if you call uh, a woman a bitch or a cunt, right? This right. Uh, this should be off limits too, right? It, by this way of thinking. So why is it that there's this one word? Of course, we know. We know. Anybody who's been on Earth, we know why that one word. But uh, Tarantino wants to script dialogue the way people talk. Well, that is a good point. Yeah. As a writer, valid point. Yeah. I do like that notion of decriminalizing words because yeah. uh, if you're criminalizing certain words, you're never saying them and you're 
Yeah. You're really censoring what people are able to say. And and I'm with and Tarantino on this. No censorship. I mean, if you're one thing I will I did notice in the film, and I correct me if I'm wrong, Beth, but I think that only people of color use the word in question. We we don't have any white characters using no. that word. Yeah, and you don't. I don't remember it being used in the book from from what I've read so far. No, I didn't see it used in the book. Yeah, it's like if I would call some. Well, I don't know what I ever. Jokingly, I mean, I've used. Yo, Bush, bitch. I like, mean, if you said that to me, I'd, I'd give you a pass. If we've called each other cunts before, you're cunting so cunt. You're cunting. <laughs> the British love that word. They just use it at any opportunity. Uh, but that used to be one of those big words, right? We like call each other bitch titty. Bitch titty. <laughs> but but that's, that's not sweeping I, the nation. Though. It's, it's just different, though. I you know, um, but I I do appreciate the discussion. As far as uh, language goes, yeah, and censorship goes, yeah. I do. Um, and expression, the propriety, ownership of something that was uh, just uh, unconscionable and, and, and systemic, and it's it's a hard it's a hard argument. I'd love an honest argument about that. Well, I, I mean, we're having a, not I, an I argument, mean, but we're just you know, having in, in a, a kind of colloquium discussion. or something with, with, with lots yeah. of people weighing in and able to speak their minds. And I think there's a panel out there that had to do with, I think it was hateful. No, it was Django Unchained. There's, there's sort of a cast panel discussion mm-hmm. and each character weighs in on, on the dialogue and, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio and, and the things he had to say and Samuel L., who, is extra <laughs> detestable in in, in yeah, Django he's... Unchained as you know a person of color who is also a racist against people I don't know of color just it's it's really messed up but we'll do we'll have to do Django sometime. we'll have to do Django and then there's Hateful Eight which is really cringe but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one is more cringe I don't uh, know. although I do like Django. Django. And, and he oh. got Ennio Morcone, didn't he, for the for the soundtrack? I think I you know it's so, a yes. true homage to Spaghetti. Man, when Ennio Morcone died and nobody knew who he was, I wait wanted to pound. What? Uh, I wanted to bang my head against the wall. I didn't know nobody knew who he was. Back to what the, this little uh, venture? Yes. He convinces Beaumont to get in the trunk. Yeah. And Beaumont, your instincts were right. You yeah. shouldn't have done that. Yeah. He he drives about a block to looks like behind a water plant or some I don't I'm not sure what that area is. It's described in loving detail in the book, but it's it's a long shot in the film and kind of in the dark. And basically, Ordell uh, he he takes him out. He, he takes him out. You hear um, he gets in the car. He's putting his gloves on. Turns his stereo on because we know now how much he loves listening to music in his car. Yeah. And uh, John, uh, the Brothers Johnson, Strawberry Letter 23 comes on. And I I remember being a, t- a teenager or preteen when that song came out. That's a just, skating song. <laughs> it is. It always had an eerie feeling to me. Yeah. And I just thought it was a perfect choice for yeah. what was about to happen. Yeah. And I, I love that the car pulls around and he, he stops the car. It it. it as the car pulls away, the music fades. As it comes back into view, because he's just going a block away into this yeah. vacant lot, yeah. then the music comes back up again. Then the music stops. 
Yeah. We open the trunk. Two shots fired. Shuts the trunk, gets in, turns on the car, and the song kicks back up. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's it's some cold, perfect. that's cold blooded. But, uh, next stop is to see Lewis. And <laughs> I love this scene. One of, one of Ordell's girlfriends, I think she's, she's, uh, described as a 66 year old woman in the book. So he's got a young one, an old one. Yeah, about woman. To, yeah. And, and she's uh, dressed to the nines and lip syncing to, is it Baby Love? What it's is it? It's Baby Love. Baby Love, my baby. Like a blue LeMay. To to the Robert De Niro character who d- doesn't quite know what to do. He's in a, what is that, lazy boy type chair. He's just and, rocking back. And just and rocking out of rhythm with the with the song, by the way. He has no rhythm. And she's right up there, you know, doing the show. Phone rings. It's Ordell. And she's just so happy to hear from him. Hey, baby, I'm doing my thing, that thing I do. And she gets she gets Lewis on the phone and he's just so clueless. Ordell says, she doing the show for you? And he says, yes, doing the Supremes, doing so and so. He says, I don't don't know the names of the Supremes, but no, it's the Supremes. He goes, oh, she doing the, you know, Supremes or Diana Ross and. He goes, she's pretty good, ain't you? Yeah. <laughs> Ordell says, she's pretty good, ain't she? And Lewis is like, yeah, she's pretty yeah. – like, like, and he's so funny when he's rocking Sam because he, he looks like he thoroughly appreciates it. He, he does. Like, But he, he has no beat. Seem, he's not rocking to the beat. I just noticed he's just frantically rocking. It's <laughs> weird. I don't know if it, there, he's aroused. I don't know if he there's, – because there's something like so childlike about the fact that he's rocking like, yay, somebody's putting on a yeah. show for me. And Ordell's pretty generous with his women, isn't he? Uh, so yeah, he is. he's just spreading the good cheer around. Yeah. And uh, on the phone call, Ordell says, I guess this is pre-sell, right? Well, I don't know. 92. Uh, it is pre – 92 is pretty much pre-sale because a lot of people really well, don't have cell phones. how is he calling until... him from outside the building in his car? Does he have a car phone? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he is calling him on his Motorola. So he says, shell. guess where I am? I'm right outside Simone's house. Oh, uh, yeah. Mid, mid-90s, yeah. Yeah. Motorola clamshell phones. Probably. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I, I was back in the book with 92. So you're right. 97 would be closer to all that. So uh, Ordell <laughs> says, guess where I am? I'm outside, and there's a thing just for your eyes only. De Niro goes out. They open the trunk. You have that trunk shot, like point of view from the trunk shot again, looking up. Again, yeah. And and De Niro is not phased by what he sees, is he? No, he's not. And, and he kind of – you don't know, at least when I watch that scene, I don't know if he's consciously – like I'm – uh, he looks and he does that looking around thing, like yeah. you said, Sam. Yeah, yeah. But then he never kind of looks down again, and he just sort of stares straight ahead. So I, don't, I you don't know. At least I didn't. Yeah. Is he afraid of this, or is is he just like you don't know what he's thinking? Because you don't. At this point, when I'm watching the first time I watch the film, I don't know how dangerous Lewis is. When we find out yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah. I think in the beginning, I don't know that either, but Ordell is giving Lewis a clear message. He says Beaumont would not be the type to do the time. He would have made a deal with the police. And mm. you, you catch my meaning here? And Lewis says, yep, I, I understand what you're saying. He do a little fist bump thing, too. Yeah. Yeah. De Niro does it with some uh, authenticity, too. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, but yeah, the gloves become, yeah, you know what I love before the Beaumont killing scene is that camera is on Ordell for a long time while he puts those gloves on, gets mm-hmm. the gun, is obviously thinking about how it's going to go down. So this is not a quick cut film. It lingers. It lets the characters play things out. And yes, I just love that. Yeah. And, uh, I, I love the little touches like, He's going to listen while this and then there's another song that's playing right before he goes into. But we'll we'll get to that in a second, because the next thing that happens is cut to Jackie's come back from Cabo San Lucas on Cabo San Lucas Air. Yes. (laughs) And is enjoined by two individuals. Yes. We didn't even mention. Oh, my God. Michael Keaton. I was so surprised because I didn't remember that Michael Keaton played this character, the the, the ATF guy. Uh, I, I didn't, or maybe I didn't know him back in '97. I don't know, but uh, it's it's fun. Michael seeing. Keaton of Beetle, uh, Beetlejuice fame, of Batman fame, yeah. of uh, Gung Ho fame, of oh god, Pacific Heights. I don't know. Pacific Lots of Heights. bad guy things too. Yeah, later on in his career, you know, he was sort of the he was the guy. He was the yeah. hot guy. Yeah. Um, as far as you know, getting getting major. Uh, yeah, he really getting leads was. in major motion pictures in the 80s. And, and Tarantino did mention in some interview that Michael Keaton basically did Quentin Tarantino a favor by taking that role because it's a small but potent role, and he needed a little star power to make it shine. And, and indeed, you have the star power, so you pay attention to that character. And I think also it has the distinction of being the first crossover universe because then Michael Keaton plays the same character in Out of Sight. Is that correct? I think so. I think so. Um, anyway, that you have one who is um, he's Ray. He plays Ray Nicolette, who yes. works for the ATF, and then the other gentleman, Mark Bowen, plays or Michael I, Bowen. I, I plays didn't understand the connection there. Maybe you know Mark Dargis, and I think he just plays a a detective with you know LA okay. County or. I understood why ATF would would be involved. I didn't understand why the other guy, except that in the book they 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 say that or Elmore Leonard describes them as besties, you know. And yeah, that they work together. Uh, well, one, okay. So in the book, one works for ATF, and one works for FDLE, which is the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. Fiddle, as Jackie calls it. But um, that that's in the book. Yeah. And I, I kind of get the impression that Dargis works for j- just, you know, LAPD. Okay. Okay. And but they, they just, in, they're going to nail her at the airport and they are not really after her, but they, they, they want to use her because I think you get the impression that Beaumont was going to be their, their rat, but, uh, but Ordell took care of him. So now they're going after Jackie Brown who conveniently comes back from Cabo with a manila envelope containing $50,000 and a little present for Melanie that, that, that Jackie didn't know about as well. No, that she didn't know about. Yeah. They, they stop her in the parking lot on the way to, to get her car, and um, they pull out the money. There's a $10,000 limit, anything over $10,000. You have to declare. Yeah. You have to declare through customs. They're, I've they're never like, not once had that problem. Ben. Yeah, not <laughs> not 
they're like, well, oh, you know, we have an office right over here. But if you want to go through customs, we can do that. And she's like, no, 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 we'll go through. But, but they're really playing with her, saying things like, do you mind if I look in this bag? Do you mind if I look in this manila envelope? And they know exactly that there's 50000 They know that she's been running, you know, money for Ordell, but they can't quite pin it. Or do, do now, you did, think they know who Ordell did is? Did she bring in 50000 that time or did she just bring in the ten? Oh, I thought it was fifty. It's fifty the sec the I think it's fifty the maybe it was fifty. Because she's over the limit for a declaration. Oh that's right. That's yeah. why No no no, because they nab her for the Coke. Yeah. And she doesn't she truly money. doesn't know the Coke is in there. There's cocaine about what, a co- no. under a couple of ounces or something? No, but that's the that's the charge. They don't char- they don't go after her for the money. They go Possession after with coke. intent to, to sell or distribute. To distribute, yeah. yeah. But it, like Sam said, she had no idea that Coke was in there. None. And and that's some fine acting because when she, you know, she's she's not pleased about being stopped by these cops anyhow. But when she sees that little uh, packet of cocaine, she's 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 really, I think, angry at Ordell and shocked. Uh, her reaction. What did she say? She's like shit. Or, or no, she just goes, "What's that? What's <laughs> like, that?" Just really shocked. Like, so, what is? That? Yeah. So Ordell is playing with her life here by just slipping or Walker, whoever is down in Cabo. But uh, so they they tell her she can either come down to the station to to their offices or deal with customs. And customs is is notorious for being a little bit rougher. So the next day, bail Jackie out. He goes back to Max Cherry's bail bonds. Full of bravado and says, hey, (laughs) he heard that Beaumont uh, got killed, right? So let's just transfer this to this uh, stewardess. She's she's being held on $10,000 bail. And once again, the Max Cherry character says, seems high. What's the what's the catch? And and you get into a bit of a racial you get into a bit of. I don't know, tetchy dialogue regarding race. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I love the fact that Ordell comes in there and Max doesn't know what's happened to Beaumont. Yeah. He goes, oh, I need to get another bond. And, okay. He goes, and what I'm thinking is uh, take the the one bond from Beaumont because that's not a problem. And Max is like, what do you mean? He goes, oh, you didn't hear? And, <laughs> and he's very proud of himself. <laughs> Without like, it's almost like he his eyes and his smile and his yeah. bravado yeah. is saying, "Well, I I took care of him." <laughs> yeah, and I dare without you saying, to call me on it. I dare you. And, and without saying he took care of it. Yeah, he goes, just move that money on over to you know this bond. And, and uh, you know Max Cherry is all business, and and Ordell says, "Look, she's a forty four year old stewardess and just earning her living." And she had no intent to use it if she even had the cocaine. So he suggests that maybe it was planted on her. And when he he knew about it. And Max is just like he's just going down through the paperwork. He's like, yeah. All right, you want a refund on that bond? I need a death certificate. I need this. I need to file this with the court. I need to go down to the jail. I gotta do this. I'm thinking and, in these and, days, how do you get all of that paperwork so quickly? The death certificate? The you know, without uh, implicating yourself. It's it's not a crime to bond somebody out. You know what I mean? That's true. Um, That's and we, true. We've, been, we've both been on the receiving end of that phone call. Well, yes, we have. We had a lovely roommate. 
She met a, some know, wonderful folks in the, in the. We lived in interesting times, folks. Yeah. We really did. But the little confrontation there is, uh, you know, Ordell's like, look, she's, she's not like, she, yeah. he tries to make the argument. She's not like Beaumont. Yeah. She's a working woman. She's a professional woman. Yeah. She's 44 years old. Don't let her do this. And, yeah. and, um, and Max's attitude is like, look, I'm not a charity case here. You yeah. put up the money. Yeah. Um, Am I supposed to have all this white guilt or, or can I run my business? And Ordell says the line. So that's how it is. Oh, so that's how it is. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I think the next scene must be the scene. Oh, it is. Yes. Natural high. That's the very next scene. Yeah. So Max, he brings one in, dropping off and picking up. Yeah, dropping off and picking up. He even I didn't know that, this was he? a thing, Beth. That the bail bond is is dropping people off and going after them if need be to other states and bringing them in. Oh yeah, yeah. They jump bail. You got to go. Yeah. Get them to appear one way or the other. Yeah. Oh, and we should mention that just to give you some insight in in Max's character when Ordell first goes into the office. Max is on the phone with either a family member or a friend and trying to – a mother of someone he's bonded out, trying to explain to her the consequences. Your son's in big trouble. Please make sure he's there. To the mother. Yeah, Yeah, keep him there. I will come get him. I will get them to you know, put aside the habeas. I I will – we can work this out. You, yeah. You've got to appear or this is going to turn into 10. This could turn into 10 years for him. Do you think this is normal, this, all this legwork for the bail bond people? I didn't yes. know this. Okay. Yes. And the fact that he is, he's not looking at these people like, uh, you know, they're less than he's, he's providing a service. Yeah. And he knows all the ins and outs of the system. And he's trying to explain to her, like, don't let your son screw this up. Yeah. Cause we can, we can fix this. Get through you know what, Beth? The, what we haven't mentioned is what genre this might be. I, I mean, we we said it's an homage to black exploitation films, and yeah. but but it's also a heist film. It is a heist film. The whole thing about a heist scene, if there's some sort of romantic element, is you never know if the thief is playing their uh, amorous interest. Or yeah, you do. It could be a but, double crossing, right. double agent. And Jackie Brown is put in a position where. The FTA wants her to spill. Ordell wants to know if he can trust her. Max Cherry becomes invested when he picks her up and is just thunderstruck. What is the song? I can't remember. But you get a natural high. Natural high. She's walking toward the the guard gate and he's going to give her a ride home. And there's just some wonderful physical acting. And you'd think it'd be cheesy if you just describe it. And say, oh, well, he's watching her and this song comes on and he's he, he love at first sight. But it's so well done and so understated that it's just it's awesome, beautiful. And you can tell, like, if you've read the book, there are little touches that in the novel that Tarantino kind of puts in the film. Max makes his observation about the way Jackie brushes her hair as sort of out of her face. Mm-hmm. And how that just kind of mesmerized by that. Yeah. And she, she does that briefly in that scene. Yeah. I love that shot because he's just dropped somebody off and he's standing outside the gate. And yeah. it's like, she's on her, you know, she's on her way, Max, or whatever. They all know him at the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And you just see this silhouette and she comes closer and closer. And um, what's the name of the band? Oh. oh Natural High. 
Is that the right one? Bloodstone. I don't know. I thought that's what I saw on the Jackie uh, Brown playlist. Okay, Bloodstone. Bloodstone. Okay. It's a beautiful song. (laughs) It's a beautiful scene. She gets into the car. And what I love in the Elmore Leonard book is she's a, a real smoker. (laughs) <laughs> and and she's like counting how many cigarettes she has left when the when she's stopped at the airport and she, then she's taken to a holding cell a jail and she hasn't had a cigarette in a long time it's kind of jonesing for one and she Max is going to give her a ride home and she says you have any cigarettes can we stop somewhere she really wants her cigarette and I think Elmore Leonard must have been a a smoker because he he really <laughs> sort of conveys that in a in an urgent way, her urgency, she, her needs. Well, she checks the the uh, glove box, mm. and she sees a gun in there, and Max just nonchalantly goes, well, you're not going to find cigarettes in there. Yeah. And he tells her, I, I quit three years ago, Yeah. and can we stop somewhere? He says, oh, have you ever been to the the watering hole, what, the, the stork, or I don't know. Whatever it is, it's like a cop bar. bar. Like, that's pretty square of you, just no. <laughs> nowhere no, near a cop bar, thank you very much. Yeah. In the in the novel, it's uh, the Airport Hilton, which is yeah. the actual Airport Hilton since the 80s, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it by next to Palm, Palm Beach International Airport. Yeah. Uh, so that's funny. I'll never look at that Hilton the same. No, way. but he's just a sports bar. He's just clueless, right? And she says, "All right, the place near me, we'll go there." And and I think he's very pleased because he's thunderstruck. <laughs> you know, he's going to have oh, a drink yeah. with her now. Do you want to go to the Waffle House, Jackie? I'll take you. Any <laughs> there. there's a great you... scene coming up where you find out just how much he's just smitten with her. It's so it, cute. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is the name of the um, damn, damn, damn? They they end up at the little dark. She wants a dark lounge, and he asks the, why. The cockatoo. The cockatoo. The cockatoo lounge. And uh, I think the uh is taken out. Of the sign on purpose, so it's cock, uh, whatever, cock too. <laughs> and she wants a dark place because, and he asks why, and Jackie says, because it looks like I just got out of jail. So she doesn't feel very presentable. I think she must like him. That's a long day of traveling and then being in the pen and then he allowing her to. A, I thought you might want a drink, yeah. you know, because she does say, well, you could just take me by a 7-Eleven. He's yeah. like, I just thought you might want a drink. And she's yeah. like, yeah. Thinking that's a good idea, actually. She lights up that cigarette and takes a drag like somebody who's been deprived of water for a very long time, (laughs) takes their first sip. And uh, then what? He drops her off, but we see Ordell is sitting in his car, and and he's listening to some Johnny Cash, Tennessee Stud. That's right. And he's putting those leather gloves on. What do you think the significance of that song is. I was I was listening to the lyrics yeah. and I thought I don't know about that choice. I'm not sure. Well, I for one, I love the fact that uh, in Quentin Tarantino's universe, yeah. everybody of every walk of life listens to all different kinds of music. Yes, <laughs> they, they, they and the do. fact that Ordell has an appreciation for Johnny Cash for some reason makes perfect sense to me and oh. should make perfect sense. All the songs that our characters are hearing are the same. We're not getting external soundtrack music, I don't think. It's always what's being well, played. There is. There is a, ma- a, a is there? theme. It reminds me of like 70s caper type. Dun, You're right. Dun, You're right. Dun, but it's so seamless yeah. with, with the popular music that's being played. that It's very it's light. 
It reminds me of like cop series from the hip, <laughs> the hip cop shows from yeah. the early 70s. <laughs> Cut to Wardell, the gloves come out and you think, oh, no, really? Yeah. You're going to you're going to take out Jackie. But, you know, the film's called well, Jackie we, Brown. It, it He's looking kind of <laughs> ominous coming across the uh, the street there. And then she gets dropped off. Is that what happens? No. Well, let me see. Let me see. She opens the door for him. So he does knock. Okay, so in the in the book, he actually sneaks in there, turns the lights off, and he's waiting. I didn't really know what was going to happen, but then when he follows her into sort of the front living room there, and yeah. he turns off that uh, the um, floor lamp, yeah, and he turns it down, yeah. then you're like, is he trying to be romantic or oh oh no, yeah, <laughs> and, and she's just playing cool, getting her stuff <clears throat> out of the fridge, and and he asks her a question. She says, as cool as can be, you're asking the wrong kind of questions. And she she doesn't appear to be afraid of him. He seems more afraid of her. I think he's reluctant to have to do this, maybe. Like, does he Could have be. to do it? Can he trust her? Well, I don't know. He didn't. He, she's the one moving his money. Yeah. And and that's probably why he's if, if he has any hesitation, you don't want to. Will she make a deal with the, the cops, though? He can't. Yeah, quite. He's gotta find out. And he's always he. She makes him a screwdriver because apparently that's his drink of choice. The lowly screwdriver. <laughs> I haven't heard anybody say that in a long time. Give me a screwdriver. So that brought back some memories. I love a good screwdriver. I do too. They should have different varieties, like the flathead and the Phillips. Do they? <laughs> For drinks. <laughs> Let's invent that. Be very famous. And but the, he he yeah. turns that light out. There's and, a lot of darkness in this scene. Like, yeah. You can't tell what's going on. And he goes, is that, is that what I think that is? <laughs> what do you think it is? <laughs> she just meets him like toe, toe to toe. Yeah. Yeah. And, I uh, think you got a gun pointed at my dick. You know what I thought during this scene when I, I, I didn't remember much from viewing it in 1997. I thought maybe Max Cherry might be in the apartment and ready to come and save the day because where'd she get this gun and she was just with max cherry he's clearly smitten but no he has just dropped her off and this is all jackie dealing with ordell max could have been well later on in the film we'll, and we'll get to it but yeah. max could be blown away and erased so many different times in this yes. film really and he's completely vulnerable um which kind of is an indication of how much he has fallen for her. He will put he everything on the line. And he doesn't do anything to stop himself. He's a man that at his age, we find out he's 56 years old. She's 44. Yeah. He's a man at his age that knows better. Yeah. Yes. He definitely knows better, but he, he's like, I don't care. Now, now there is a little <laughs> bit more in the book. I, I, I think you probably remember he's he's separated. So he does have yes. a wife, technically, who yeah, runs an separated. art gallery in the Gardens yeah. Mall or something. Mm -hmm. And is always and, and Lister asks, you know, his right hand, Lister, not Lister, that's the actor's name. Uh, Winston <laughs> asks yeah, Max, Winston. you know, when are you going to get rid of her and why? Why do you put up with this? Why do you still pay her bills? Why are you still here? And there's a whole, y y you know, that his life is a midlife mess. Yeah. And, and I, I think that Quentin Tarantino wisely left that on the cutting room floor. 
and made it very lean. You can gauge that from from the acting job that Max that uh, Robert Forster does. Well, Jackie gets uh, you know Ordell's in close quarters with her. She pulls out the gun. Yeah. Let's him lets him know she means business. But yeah. then she sort of lays it all out. Uh, the lights go back on. Yeah. She's taking control of the situation. Yeah. And uh I don't think what the scene what grabs me about it is she's just a very strong presence while Jackie is laying out like this is the situation. Yeah. You put me you put me in this situation. Yeah. But I have a solution. And she pitches the solution. We don't know what that solution is. And then all we see to close that scene out is she sees him to the door and he goes, you want to talk to the cops tomorrow? And she's like, yeah, I'm going to talk to him. One other notable is that during this whole scene, it's a split screen. And and that's when you realize Max Cherry is not there. If you are thinking like I was and he realizes his gun is gone from the glove box. I like the split screen device. It's a very 70s thing to do for one. And it really works narratively. It, yeah. it works, you know, he's pulling up to his office yeah. and he, I guess, you know, he probably takes his gun to lock it up in yeah. his office and then he realizes, shit, she took my gun. Yeah. <laughs> you I, know. And earlier when he's dropping off the one person at, at the, what do you call that? Jailhouse. She, the, the guard says, are you armed? And he says, always, you, you know, I am. So he, he's a man who carries and would notice his gun. I mean, they, they actually make a lot more about the guns that are in the that he keeps locked up in his office it's funny that you said the jailhouse was like the stockade sam the stockade that's the the word (laughs) it's actually called the stockade what's the difference between a stockade and a penitentiary it it was an annex usually for lighter offenders or for overflow for the palm beach county jail that's right and that's uh, where our dear friend was was kept uh (laughs) can we tell them the story she she had no no we she shuffled off this one. Time. All right. All right. The next morning, Max shows up at her front door. Yeah. And the first words out of her mouth are, oh, you want your gun back? But I think he's glad to have a, an excuse to come back. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, never it's, can be. This is careful. a very important scene. You must. Very important. Because Max doesn't want her. Max is like, well, do you need it? Yeah. Do you need to? Hang on to it. Yeah. And he also has put together in his mind, they had a conversation when they were in the car and he's taking her, you know, when he picked her up from the, the, the jail. Yeah. And he's like, uh, and he, he's no dunce. He has put together that Ordell bailed out Beaumont. Beaumont's dead. Yeah. Ordell bailed you out immediately. Yeah. I don't know what you're doing. For her life him, is in peril. But but your life is in danger. Yeah. And he knows that. And she knows it too. And and that's kind of what this whole this whole scene uh, when he goes to pick up the gun and she offers to make him coffee. Yeah. And and, and then, he's so square looking. I, I mean here you have Pam. Is she in her bathrobe at this one scene? Let me yeah, just get there. She's in the bathrobe. And he's look at taking in the family pictures on the wall. He's wearing like the polo shirt and like you said, the what's it called? The sounds Sans belt. Sans belt. Gives the gun back. Hey, or Hager. It's either Sans belt or Hager slacks. Yes. And, and you know, probably the loafers. The man shops at Sears. Yes. And the square haircut and the little balding spot on the back. And it's just it looks like a lived-in apartment. It it whoever did the set design is that I, I think he also did Pulp Fiction and 
and reservoir dogs as well. And it it's just doesn't look like a set. It looks lived in. She's got a record collection. She's making the coffee. And Quentin Tarantino lets her play it out, like actually real time making the coffee. And they're chit-chatting back and forth throughout this. And getting to know one another, another hanging out scene where we feel very privileged to to witness this. So tactile and physical. It, it's a very... Um... It's just it's, there's a lot of realism to it. And yeah. you had made the comment about uh, Tarantino and dialogue Yeah, that he loves to do that whole um, like what the scene with Beaumont and Ordell by yes. the tr- trunk yes. of the car. That's typical Tarantino negotiating scenes. Yes. In the back and forth. Yeah. And um, the parte and back. Yes. And this is not that at all. No. This, this is this is a slow courtship dance. Not even yeah, that. It's not even that late on. It's almost like they know each other. Yeah. They've never these two people have never met and they but on a very profound level they they know each other. They know where each other's at. And in also their life. I I think we do have to mention age. He says he's 56 and we know she's 44 and uh you know, we know from the book that she's had some bad marriages and that he's hasn't done well in that world either. She squats down, gets her a record, uh, and it's the Delphonics. He, he's never heard of them. And by the way, neither had I. Well, I guarantee – here's the th- yeah. the way I took that. Yeah. I guarantee people had heard the song. Yes. And I, I know as a child I heard that song on yeah. a- AM radio or FM radio, yeah. probably AM, as a little kid. Yeah. And liking that song because, man, they sing like angels. Yes. But – not knowing the name of the band and he seemed because who's the you know it's almost like he'd heard that song before but he never knew who it was yeah and she puts the record on and and usually she says something like do you want to hear a little music and he says sure you know so it's it's going to be a longer she's not just going to hand him his gun and he goes off it's it's more like a breakfast date at this point i think and she puts it on maybe the third or fourth track so she picks that song in a meaningful way. She's not just putting on some ambience music. She's yeah. I picking think, the song. And he compliments her on, on her taste in music. Yeah. Cause who, you know, who is this? It's Delphonics. Yeah. It's nice. She's just, she's like, mm, she's, it's taking her somewhere yeah. emotionally. Yeah. And she's a, a thing you, to behold because she's moving around, but very languidly. And he's seated during the scene and he can't take her eyes off her. She is not trying to be sexy for him. No. She's like, I'm in my bathroom. I just, it's morning. You want coffee? Coffee. Don't have any cream. It's boiled when I was, you yeah. know, in jail. He's, do you like black? Yeah, black's fine. Black is good. And yeah. and he even makes a comment about the records. Or mm-hmm. and and he's like, uh, getting into CDs you know, now, aren't you? <laughs> you know, not getting, He goes, are you not getting into CDs? Because CDs would. I guess that would have been right. The t- no, no, I'm thinking of the book again. Ninety two would have been. The yeah, ninety two people yeah. would have been. She says, um, "I just don't, you know, I put so much into my collection, into her vinyl." Yeah, she's like, "I, I can't start again." Like, yeah, I don't want to start over. And that's the theme, isn't it? This yeah, there's so hanging yeah. over her, starting over again, starting over again. And there's so much the same, but but they're not this, exactly the same because Max goes, "Well, it, you can't, you can't get any new stuff." It's yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden probably unoptimistic Max Cherry. 
meets Jackie Brown. Yeah. And there are possibilities. Yeah. It's brilliant. And it's not sort of lit with energy, with, uh, you know, with obvious overt chemistry. It's, it's a very laid back. I know you. I'm comfortable with you. I'm attracted to you in a way that people who have seen some things would, would act. Yeah. I, I think you're play right. Play it rather. Or, or know it, you yeah. know. They've, they've been around, both of them have been around the block a time or two. Like and they're you said, so thing. mismatched it, uh, on the surface because here's this beautiful woman and she's a bit younger than he and, and he's just as square as they come and as white as they come and it, it, it works. Somehow it works. You, you feel for these two characters. I think it kind of goes, well, we can, we can talk about it at the end because, uh, when they're running to the mall, there's a certain song that comes on. It's oh. like he runs in that life, in that crowd, in that circle. And Max Cherry actually in the novel is a cop who had been a cop for like 10, 15 years. And his wife was completely unhappy with yeah. his career yeah. choice. So he leaves and she just moves further away from him. <laughs> he he leaves the police force to, to do something else and, and, I think it's like she didn't like him being a cop, but she hated him being a bail yeah. bondsman. And you get yeah. the impression that because the original Beaumont is from Jamaica, right, in the book, that, mm-hmm. you know, he'd, he'd go to Jamaica to retrieve him if he needed to. Now, that shocked me. Like, do they really go that far? So you can imagine that would be a difficult spouse to have. Yeah. Moving along. Yes, let's let's we, do that. But they're getting acquainted, yeah, and they're they're liking each other's company. I think that's the the yeah. clearest. And it's so funny that two people getting to know each other, and you can tell are seem to be enjoying each other's comfort, feel comfortable, yeah. That that can be romantic, but it, it winds up being super romantic. Of course, it's the Delphonics doesn't hurt either, by the way. Uh, Which is a song actually about a man saying, I'm, I've been fooled too many times and I'm finally leaving you. Well, we know later that he makes a decision that he is, well, maybe we know that morning that he's made a decision. So. Yeah. You don't care. I don't care. About Um, his work. And they do have a a really important exchange going. She goes, I'm just so tired. Aren't you tired? They're talking the real talk instead of the scripted date talk. We don't have time at our age, maybe, to to do all the bullshitting stuff. Let's let's just talk plainly. Yeah, she she talks about uh, you know there seems to be some concern with aging. Yeah, and she she's like you know do you feel old? He takes that to mean that she's fishing for a compliment almost, and she's no no. He says you look beautiful and. And she says, no, I said, do you feel old? She clarifies for him. And he's pretty open and, and, and lovely with her, isn't he? He says, my hair was falling out and I felt that. Took care of it, you know. And I don't know what that means. Like, did he get the plugs? <laughs> Is that what they're called? Plugs or a piece? Did he get plugs or did he use Rogaine? Who knows? But but we do he's see a bald, a bald patch. Spot, yeah. Yeah. I'm going with Rogaine because Rogaine was pretty popular. Yeah, I, I think it was too. I, I, all through the 90s. I'm not. What is it? I'm. I'm not only the a member, but I'm also the president. The hair club for men. Yeah. Hair club for men. <laughs> I have a friend who does a wonderful impression. I'm a client. 
<laughs> the hair club. I think he had a little bit the hair club for men. He had a special yeah. special yeah. way of saying it. Then we get a you know fade to black, and next scene is back at Michael Keaton slash Nicolette at his office. Yeah, she, we have she goes to meet them. Yeah, she's cool with this. Just sort of basically saying, "I'll work with you." Yeah, I'll help you do this. Also, they, they deprived her of her cigarette in the first meeting, and they allow her to smoke this time in the, because you're playing nice with us. You you are our goddess. Yeah, we play nice with you. Yeah. Then we flip back to Ordell's condo. He comes in with Lewis. Yeah. I guess he took Lewis shopping. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish they had kept, like, Lewis trying to try on clothes or even acknowledging that the new pants are required after this. Right. There's a phone call. It's Jackie. Yeah. Trying to uh, set up a meeting with yeah. Ordell because yeah. she's gone to the cops just like she said she would. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm going to talk to the cops and yeah. then I'll come talk to you. Ordell knows that Melanie is going to, you know, she likes to throw a fuck a guy's way. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> and, and as he's leaving, he goes, you know, don't just jump on him the minute I walk Those out. Those are the new door. clothes. Don't rip them off his body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so he, he, you know, it's not, but, but Lewis doesn't know this, right? So he could be abusing a friendship. If 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 he because he because he does feel a, a little guilty afterward, right? Yeah, it's funny. I wrote down here. Um, Lewis gets a metrics shake and sex. <laughs> <laughs> that dates the film too, doesn't it? With the metrics. I'm certain Marianne put me on that at some point. I. The last time I watched this, I'm like. They show Bridget Fonda and she's like sort of, you know, how you do when you make a milkshake. Yeah. And there's like a little bit on the rim. And yeah, you're like it, it's licking, so authentic. You have to kind of shake the blender a little bit to get the big pieces up. And, and I'm going to tell you, folks, young young people who don't know what metrics is, it is the most <laughs> chalky, disgusting. It's got to be healthy, right? You're, Something that you're, tastes you're like not that. Lick, you're not licking the edge of that blender. At yeah, all, yeah. For that little dribble of metrics. No, and, you're not. <laughs> remember spirulina? What was that? The, we, the spirulina drink. Yes, oh, that was big. In I the, actually in the turned her on to spirulina. Really? Yes. Because she made me buy a a vat of it, uh, a powder, you know, big, huge out of the stuff. And it's got a, a lot of it, nutrients in it. Okay. Uh, I think there's something with it, a movie within a movie in this scene, too, but I, di- I did not look it up. Oh, Melanie's watching something on TV, and I think that's an insider oh, yeah. joke, but I, I don't yeah. know what it is. Ordell, he said something about Rucker Hauer, and she corrects him. But, we but, get a quick flip to uh, Max in the, the record store, the Specs. Specs. I know that's Specs <laughs> records and tapes. <laughs> it's actually Sam Goody. You see the Sam is, Goody. That's stuff. true. That's true. You do see Sam Goody. And he's picking and he's, up the Delphonics, which, you know what? That is the courtship move. You share music. It right? is. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's a big sign that, uh, yeah, he's done for. Yeah. Yeah. He is. <laughs> then Ordell meets up with Jackie in uh, at the Cockatoo Inn, and that's when th- that conversation takes place, which is – that exchange is hilarious between he and Jackie. Well, how did they know this? Well, because I told him. <laughs> 
and, and his outrage and indignation and fear that he can rap all in one line is is a thing to behold. I, I just love that. The long and short of it is Jackie's going to set up a switch. Yeah. This is what she's telling Ordell. Yeah. Because the big pitch to Ordell is, and this is how she's going to save her ass, mm. as far as Ordell is concerned, is that she's going to get all of his money out for him. Yeah. But she reassures him by saying, all right, I'll do the time, but I want 100000 mm-hmm. If I do one year, if I do two year, I need another 100000 So she's really selling it that she will do the hard time rather than rat him out completely. His big goal is to get a million and retire. Yeah, he's already got some money out, but it's 500k that he wants to. The big lump sum that he wants to get out this time yeah. is 500k, yeah. and so she's laying it this plan out to him about how they're going to do that. And he and he needs two people, so he is planning this out with her. Now, I don't know at this point, Beth, for real, explain it to me. What is she, as far as what she's planting in Ordell's mind, what is she getting out of this? Jail time and 100000 Is that what she's willing to put on the line for Ordell? Or is there going to be she, another thing if she's not nabbed and put in jail? Does she still get the 100000 What? I, th- I think she's saying that uh, 10%. That's what they agreed to. You're right. The agent there's that thing. whole argument about the agent or – <laughs> no, a manager gets this, an agent gets it. An agent gets 10%, a manager gets 15%. Percent, yep. And that's a typical Tarantino kind of, you know, we're going to go to the mat over this bit of nomenclature. So. The, yeah, the banter and the repartee back yeah. and forth. Yeah. That's classic Tarantino. And in the meantime, we get this cut back to Melanie and Lewis are hanging out. And <laughs> Melanie's kind of probing. Yeah. Probing Lewis to see if maybe she can get Lewis to steal. She just badmouths her boyfriend the second yeah. he walks out the door. You think he knows about guns? He's just repeating things he heard elsewhere. We could get on on this. And you can tell De Niro is very uncomfortable, but he's thinking with his dick and his brain, right? He, you know, he's. He, he, yeah, I mean, he, he is. He's but in lust later with on, her, but you see yeah, what happened later to Beaumont. on, though. Later on, though, when he meets Ordell, he's like, you know, Melanie, you trust her with your business? I, I don't Bruh. trust her, but I trust her to be Melanie. And I can kind of get that logic. Like, she's she's going to backstab me or whatever, but I can anticipate all of her moves because she's predictable and she's Melanie. And and I, I think that the De Niro character, Lewis, is a little miffed by this. But like, why do you keep her around? She knows she could really take you down if she wanted to. Yeah, yeah you don't. You, that's when my whole attitude about Lewis being sort of harmless and clueless kind of starts to change. Cause you can, you're right. He, yeah. you can tell he's kind of irritated and yeah. looks at Ordell completely different. Like yeah. that's just careless on yeah. your part. Yeah. And he's just gotten out of the joint, right? So he's, it's fresh. He does not yeah. want to end up back in. But but I, I have to say when when we do learn that that I was truly shocked when we yeah. learned about how violent <laughs> Lewis really is because he's kind yeah. of a bumbling idiot until then. So there's got to be what a dry run for money and then a bigger run for money that Jackie has to sell to the cops. And right. the dry run they'll let the pickup person go. 
right? And then with the larger sum of money that she's going to bring back from Cabo, and I, I forget what that amount is going to be, a hundred or a thousand, or I'm not sure what. Well, the, uh, the first the first run is only going to be ten k. Yeah. And uh, the second run is because she was that's in in the novel and in the in the film yeah. that's what she's usually bringing through is ten, okay. and it, until Ordell gets frustrated with like I want more. You know, I want to bring over more of my money at a time. Yeah, yeah the the second time is supposed to be the big one. Yeah, to bring in um, all of his retirement. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I think the second one is supposed to be fifty because it's the the. No, I thought that was the five. big big mother load. But I don't know if Ordell knows it. Oh, that's right. Oh no, Ordell does know it. Ordell does know it. It's the cops that don't know it. Okay. That's it's right it's because she has another track of. You know what? The first time you watch this movie, you you can't truly appreciate all the subtleties because you are trying to work it out. Like what? What does she get out of this? And is she going to double cross him, or is he going to double cross her? And what about Bridget Fonda and De Niro? Are they going to double cross everybody? And everybody is smart. They're all super smart, and it's kind of a race, right? The at great least, race. Yeah, at least yeah. So at this point in the film, you're like, okay, who's going to get the money? Yeah. But should we spoil it? <laughs> I, we spoil I guess we everything. Should, but, yeah, we do spoil everything. But the next time we see Jackie, she is at the Del Almo Mall yeah. with Ordell, and they're going over their plans. So we get cut to black from the court, uh, from the food court to trial run, and we get these inter yeah, trial cards. Run. Is that what they're card called? Yeah, it's trial run number one. Yeah. So. Uh, she gets stopped by Ray. She meets up with Ray and uh, Dargis again. Yeah. And by the way, Michael are... Keaton is wearing like the leather jacket and the shades <laughs> and the white T-shirt and chewing the gum. And it just seems and you could tell <laughs> it's like, he, you know, he's got the motorcycle helmet. And you could tell it's a crotch rocket. It's not a <laughs> yeah. it's not a Harley. He's yeah. running around in a crotch. Rocket. Yeah. Like you do in the 90s. So that's um, very Florida boy to me. So whether Quentin wanted so to film Florida there or boy. not, it was. They follow her to the mall. They um, did they mark the money then? I don't. Yeah, I don't they, in fact, there's a big. This is typical Quentin Tarantino because uh, he's going to mark the bills pink, I think, or something. And they have a an extended conversation about the shopping bag and what color it is because he's he's speaking into his mic. Is this the right <laughs> scene? Documenting it. I, I think recorded. it is. It's a it's a it's a white bag or no, it's a blue, it's a purple. No, bag. But, but it's got no, the purple right in there. But so they're all <laughs> speculating on, on, on the characteristics of this shopping bag and not agreeing. So huge heist going down sting operation. But they're going to, you know, duke it out over this shopping bag. We see Jackie sitting in the food court. Yeah. In her uniform and Sharonda, which is the younger Yes. Of Ordell's girlfriends. And the least worldly, we, we learn. He picked her up, uh, I don't know, on hitchhiking in Georgia barefoot and some old. No, town. no, no. She's like, I picked her up downtown two days out of Georgia. You know, she, you know, bus yeah. station or whatever yeah. from Georgia. And all I could think of was that's where you screwed up as far as moving it. For, if you were going to move it from Florida to L.A., it's highly unlikely that this poor child who, who is not very – doesn't seem very worldly. Yeah. How did she get out there? Potato sack of a dress. Yeah. Um, I, I doubt she would have made it in a bus. All the, It's possible. 
it's yeah. possible, but she just seems so country and sort well, of. Well, he know. does make a comment. He he doesn't live in Hollywood, but he says to Lewis, "I just told this one because she's just so backward that we, that I live in Hollywood and she believes me." So yeah, you know, really naive. Can, can he, he not buy her a decent dress though? He 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 outfitted Lewis. It's very sad when Sharana shows up. There's a level of um, you understand, I think, what a predator um, he oh, yeah. is. Yeah. She has no self-confidence. She she can't even sit up straight and look at Jackie, and I think Jackie takes pity on her almost. She she seems like somebody who's just scared of her own shadow. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah, I, I just feel awful. And she she's like, you can go ahead and eat. Go ahead and eat. Yeah. Eat your meal. So Jackie just sits there for a second, and she gets it. Well, nice seeing you, Sharonda. Yeah. Talk to you later. Gets up and leaves. Max is and, up, up a tear, by the way, watching this all go down. Yeah. And he's a little yeah, confused at first. Like, what? This is so obvious. Sharonda gets up, yeah. takes her shopping bag. Okay, because Jackie leaves. She's got her Del Almo shopping bag. Is that a the real place, girl, by the way? I don't know. I don't know. We have to look it up. Okay. And then Sharonda gets up. She, she leaves with her shopping bag. Except that before she leaves, there's a woman sitting in the table right next to her. Yeah. Hey, baby, you got the time? And I don't think anything of it. I'm buying it. (laughs) It was just like a gut punch when she says, I don't have a watch. And I was like, I'm just adopting you, Sharonda. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I I don't think Ordell is doing right by her at all. (laughs) Ordell. But but Max is is we're we're getting a Max eye view and he's kind of thinking that's not gonna that's not very sophisticated. He he watches uh he watches Jackie walk away and he's a little confused like is is this little well, girl? Ja- gonna- Jackie walks away. Sharonda walks away after being asked what time it is. Yeah. And it's the delay. It's yeah. the delay that's brilliant. Yeah. The woman who had been there the whole time, yeah. which is actually Simone. Yep. Not in her blue lame getup yeah. doing. And, and we know that none of the ladies have know about one another. They think Ordell is only with them. So here are two of his girlfriends that don't know of each other doing working on the bag switch, the old switch, double switch. The fact that there's this delay where she finally she's the last one. She's the first one there. Yeah. Waiting established. Yeah. Looks like part of the window dressing. Yeah. You know, and and she's the last one to leave with yeah. her yeah. Del Amo shopping so, bag. So uh, Ray and, and partner follow the wrong girl. They do. The they first follow the girl. wrong girl. Well, because it's been set up by yeah. Jackie to them. Yeah. And he looks at, back at Simone and you get that zoom in and aha, I see. That's clever. Yeah, the, the double realization. Switch. And I needed him to tell me that because I was confused watching this the first time. Did they just wait, wait? So that was very helpful to me. And Max, as he's walking and following out Simone yeah. all the way to the exit. That's not creepy. And all the all the way. No, all the way out into the parking lot to yeah. where he can write down her tag. Yep. Right. And he just kind of smiles, he goes. That like the smile just creeps across his face, and it's yeah. like if he didn't love Jackie any b- enough before, yeah, 
or was smitten enough before yeah. or enamored. Yeah. He's really taken now. Yes. yes. With the little devious mind that, that came up with all this. And, and by the way, for, for all of his work, he, he drives, I don't know what kind of automobile it is, but it's a crappy car with the leather, you know, broken or whatever the upholstery is, is ripped up. And he pops in that Delphonics. He's playing that Delphonics cassette tape that he bought earlier. Yeah. Right after that, he, he's just, on cloud nine. Yeah. He's he's in love. Yeah. She's <laughs> clever. She's brainy. She's, she's beautiful. Beautiful. She's strong. She's and proud. She, she's yeah. everything. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, so then we get a, a scene cut back to Melanie's apartment. And Lewis is there because he's just always there. And I just like to say that Jackie shows up in a beautiful red dress. Red number. And looks fantastic. She's it. A full-fledged woman. They exchange words. I don't know. I think, yeah, they go, (laughs) because I forget, Lewis is sitting on the couch. Yeah. And and Ordell's just like, come into my office, which is my balcony overlooking the beach. Yeah. (laughs) And I I only caught, I still, to this day, I've only caught bits and pieces of the, I I don't have the subtitles on like you do. What's next? What's next? Let me think. Well, Um, um, she meets up with Ray. At, That's right. To have steak dinner. They're going to go over the plan. And then uh, and then Jackie gives the final setup to Max. She's back at her house. She's wearing those cute bib overalls and the yeah. Kanga thing. And she's she's like. She's got every kind of look in this film, doesn't she? If, if the you uniform wonder, to the bathroom. When people to, go, was she using him? Did she really care about him? Yeah. I go back to this. She tells him the real deal. Yes. So if she That's didn't a lot care of trust. about him, a lot if of she trust. didn't trust him. Her life is at risk. That's trust. If she didn't see any potential. And this is a bail bondsman. Previous, I mean, he is not sort of an adjunctive arm of the law in a way. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Uh, I think in the book, Ordell kind of approves because in the book Lewis actually works for the bail bond which complicates matters further yeah that, there's that's a whole backstory yeah, yeah but but I'm I glad think, they dropped out of that I, I am too because that would have been really <clears throat> confusing but Ordell views them as the bounty hunter type uh, part of the law which is a little more outlaw and therefore more acceptable and that last meeting with Max Max expresses his his concerns. Mm. He is worried about her. He doesn't. He doesn't want her hurt. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't say it, but he's like, you know, are you sure you know what you're doing? And yeah, <laughs> you know, he never tries so, to mansplain anything. And I hate no, that word mansplain, doesn't. but he doesn't. You know, he he stays out of the way of the plan because he believes in the plan, and 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 he that's his assessment of the set of the switch is yeah. that he goes could it could work it could, if she handles the cops right. It could work. And we get a wonderful device, and, and I'm I'm grateful for this device, but you get a quick shot back to Melanie and Lewis getting high, and that's where Crazy Mary Dirty – what is it? Dirty Mary Crazy Larry or Crazy – Yeah, that's yeah. – But then you get the, the map shot of the airplane, you know, the, the map, Cabo to <laughs> oh, LAX, yeah. And, yeah. and it says – you get an intertitle card saying uh, the real run or something like that. First mm-hmm. one was the test run. This is the big drop. Right. right. So the dry run for all the FBI, not the FBI, but the ATF guy knows that that worked out. Right. Mm-hmm. They saw how it was going to go down. 
and supposedly it's going to go down that way as well. And this is so, going to be their big chance to take Ordell down. That's their main concern. So here is the the big the big big deal. Yeah. She meets up with Ray, and he's he's counting the money again. Yeah. And she's off in her car heading to the mall. Well, and be, we hear the song. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. But before that, we get a bathroom scene. She goes into the bathroom and creates another compartment for. They're only expecting like what is the amount, Beth? I don't know how many dollars. It, and she creates it's a five hundred. Yeah, in her bag, it's five hundred on the bottom. Yeah. And she, this is the thing that she and Max are talking about. Yeah. She's like, I'm just going to put the fifty on the top because they'll be looking for the fifty on That's the top. That's right. That's right. So there's the double cross. I was trying to remember what right. the double cross was, but there's really a triple cross coming up. It gets a little. Uh, yeah, it gets very interesting. Yeah. So, um, when she's heading to the mall, I love how she. I don't know if it's a Volkswagen Rabbit or something <laughs> that she's driving. Yeah. And the song uh, "Street Life" is playing the Cru- Crusaders song. She's singing uh, the jazz. Yeah. yeah. Street Life. And I thought I wrote a note down here saying, "Of course, Jackie Brown drives stick." Yeah, of course she does. <laughs> you know what? That is a skill. One of the five skills every woman should have. It just looks like she's shifting uh, yeah. while she's, you know, and she's just you got this music going. Everybody's yeah. kind of trying to head to the mall. Yes. <laughs> the converge. Scene. Some people on time, some people not. Yeah. And and it's kind of um, interesting, uh, you know, because Lewis and and Melanie are paired together and they're really getting on each other's nerves by now. Melanie is particularly yeah. getting on Lewis's nerve. They go there for this heist thing in like the most conspicuous vehicle possible. The the white abduction van, right? Well, Just, it's a Volkswagen van though. They're in a white Volkswagen van. I guess that would be fitting for Melanie, the surfer girl hippie yeah. chick kind of thing. Yeah. But we get three different perspectives. Yeah. We can cover all three of them at once. Yeah. You get three different perspectives of this this switch, and and what in what happens is Jackie Brown goes in there, just because there's this nice suit she's been eyeing, and it really is a fantastic suit, and I don't think it's dated. Beautiful. No, it's it would still look really sharp today. Black so blazer, the, silk, yeah. I believe, silk pants that you would wear heels with, and a wonderful white blouse underneath it. She looks like a million dollars. She goes into the waiting room. She puts on the suit. Yeah. It's, there's this really great shot. She's, you know, she's getting things ready for the handoff, mm-hmm. but she stops and she sees herself in the mirror. Um, I love that. I mean, I don't know how much makeup played in this film, yeah. but I just feel like we're seeing uh, a lot of Pampers bare skin. I, I think so, too. Natural strength, natural beauty. Um, there's something so it's not troweled on, not at all. Distilled and bare and uh, and beautiful about that that picture or that sh- sh- shot where she is just looking at herself in the yeah. frame or in the mirror. But uh, Melanie shows up. <laughs> Melanie. Well, Melanie is Lewis. the drop girl this time. Simone took off with the first ten grand that came through. Yeah, that was the that was what was so funny. Oh, that's right, that's right. I forgot about that. Like, that would have been a big haul for her, of course. She's made it. 
He, he's mildly annoyed, but he's not going to go after her. Doing a lounge act out in Vegas because <laughs> she's got, got a little bankroll now <laughs> as the Supremes. So the idea is they'll do the bag exchange, but this time in a more secluded area. It's a bigger drop. And so Jackie gets the great suit. She's in a fitting room. And uh, the Bridget Fonda character, Melanie, slides a bag under. That's and, right. Uh, and and Jackie slides her bag under. And that's the bag exchange as far as we know, right? She goes, oh, and here's a cherry on top. She's like, what did Ardell for, do for any of us anyway? Yeah. So she slips her an extra ten grand on top. Which is interesting because when you first see her take the money and put it in her sort of blouse or, or her jacket pocket, you think, oh, she's going to skim too? No. That's to sweeten the pot for, for Melanie. Keep her sweet. Yes, and and to keep her maybe distracted, but yeah. also it kind of helps if something happens. That's true. That's right. Yeah. So that's. Oh, now she doesn't know what's going to happen to her, but um, maybe Pretty she's brutal. just banking it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe she's just banking that you know Melanie's going to be careless anyway. Anything that's going to divert attention away yeah. from her and make yeah. everyone else around Ordell appear dishonest yeah. and her more trustworthy no matter what happens. I don't know if she's organized or chaotic. Yeah. I think she's organized chaotic. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Then I really am, uh, I don't know, seduced, not seduced, but I really believe this acting job. She pays for the suit and then looks very distracted and alarmed and agitated and goes, you know, brusquely through the mall, briskly through the mall, I should say, looking for Ray, looking for for the a AFT guy, ATF guy and, and the other guy. And uh, to say that the uh, this this woman, Melanie, ran off with the bag. Yeah, right? that's, that, the, that's that the switch didn't happen. Yeah, and that's her story. And she's sticking to it. Yes. And uh, and you can see the Michael Keaton character's wheels turning like, am I being played? Am I being played? I don't know. Well, in the meantime, we see uh, what actually ha has happened from yes. from Lewis and Melanie's perspective. Yes. So they show up late. <laughs> Bickering the whole time. But Melanie notices that Jackie's there. OK, everything's going according to plan. She goes in the dressing room. Jackie does. Yeah. Melanie waits like half a beat and then follows her in there to do the switch. Yeah. And then she comes back out and then her and Lewis immediately start fighting. Yes. Who, who's going to carry the bag? And Lewis is strong arming her, but he's he's really out of place in a mall. She's she's got all the car. He doesn't even know how to get out of the mall to his car. Yeah. And, and you're sort of back and forthing to Jackie, looking agitated and finally calling, Ray, Ray, where are you? Something happened. She leaves her bag. Do we say this? What do you mean? She's, she's telling Ray that Melanie ran off with a bag but didn't give her the exchange. Yeah, she leaves her bag. Yeah, in the ja room. Jackie, Jackie leaves the bag with the money, the towels. On top. Now, I'd like As to know which mall you can walk through with your big bag with towels. Because on top. it's all <laughs> about timing. Because yeah. what what we see now, the third perspective is Max is supposed to show up, and again, like that, like Simone in the earlier switch, he has to be hanging back. Yeah, but there's a flaw in this, in this because while Lewis and Melanie are waiting for for their 
turn to drop off. Uh, Lewis clocks Max. He sees him there. Yes. And it's just dumb luck. Yeah. That he didn't make the connection. He didn't. Because he looks like the sort who would go on a Saturday to the mall or whatever. And it's, you know, probably the only entertainment in his life. Lewis and Melanie are arguing over where where Lewis parked. And then Melanie's just agitating him. Yeah. He's going, oh, did I park it over here? Did I park it over here? Big shot bank robber, Lewis. Yeah. Lewis. And he, he's more, is it on this aisle, Lewis? Or is it over, are you sure? And she's just torturing him. Mm-hmm. Like a, I don't know, a, a teenage girl would or, or something. And he's he's getting more and more frustrated. He says, don't say another word. I'm Just don't do it. Don't do it. And she. Just shut up. Just, just shut, shut up. up. Just shut up. Just shut up. You leave me alone. I've done nothing to you. And this is, I think, the only truly shocking, like, <gasps> scene for me in the film. Everything else is pretty much expected. But, uh, he says, don't say one more word. I'm warning you. And she says, but, and he rails, he turns around and she's off screen. You don't get the shot, but, um, or, or the image, but he shoots her dead. Just shoots her dead. Bang, bang. Yeah. You don't, you don't see her take the bullets. Yes. I think what's really shocking about that, that scene is that he shoots her so quick. And I don't know if that's just an editing thing. Yeah. Or just De Niro is just physically very, very good at um, making that maneuver. Yeah. But it just, it's almost, it it really is jarring. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were just reminiscing. They'd obviously known each other before he went to prison. They just had a little triste. And he he has no impulse control is what we learn later. I mean, he's a dangerous man. He's a dangerous, dangerous man. Very dangerous man. And she's smiling and and walking after him briskly, and and you just don't expect it. It's just... No, it's completely unexpected. Now, from Max's perspective, Jackie has run out, and then the switch switch is made. Jackie runs out pretending that uh, Melanie just grabbed the bag. Yeah. She knows what she's doing. Yeah. She very quickly tells the girl, oh, somebody left a bag in there with some beach towels as she goes on her way. Yeah. And Max waits perfect amount of time. Yeah. Beat pause. <laughs> I'm in the clear. Goes in. He actually, I think he waits. Like the the fact that the phone rang was almost yeah. perfect it, it for was. him to go up and goes. Um, I think my my wife, wife says she left a bag. Oh, she goes. Oh, you can go back there. Nobody's there. Yeah. And the funny thing when he picks up those towels to see yeah. if the money's really there, <laughs> the look on his face like, like it it worked. And then. He walks he, – he parks at a different entrance. He knows where to park, so there's not a lot of c- cars parked okay. there. Okay. Because when he makes it all the way out to his car, he turns back, and there is that shot of that Billingsley or whatever, yeah. of that store, that store, anchor store. I don't know that store. It's okay. really quiet, not a lot of traffic, and he's just amazed. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was easy. Yeah. She had this down to the letter. But then Lewis goes and picks up Wardell. Uh, expected, I think. So Bridget Fonda is really the only shocking, shocking thing to me. But uh, I think Wardell is truly fond of Melanie. And Robert De Niro's character, Lewis, says, uh, he, Wardell says, well, where's Melanie? And he says, 
you know, she just w- wouldn't shut up. <laughs> and I, I shot her. And Ordell is looking like, am I hearing this? You, you, you shot her? And he's mulling it over. And then unexpectedly, I think, says, you did what you had to do. But I think he's not okay with this. Well, we know he's yeah. not okay with this. He puts his head down. I, there's so much swirling through. I, I got the impression yeah. there's so much swirling through Ordell's head. Yeah. And then you see him kind of go, Jackie. It was Jackie. Well, well first we have to mention that he opens the bag, right? It yeah. feels pretty heavy. But Jackie has put some books, some paperback books at the bottom, so it feels like it's the right weight. And it's only, what, 40, 40 or something like that? Yeah. And the camera stays on him long enough for him to to really mull it over. Right. And he comes to that realization and you see him come to the realization like. Jackie, Jackie, just she just tricked me. (laughs) Yeah. And then Lewis goes, come to think of it. I saw that Max, that that guy, that guy, that bail bondsman guy. Yeah. And and that's Ordell when is incredulous. Ord- like really? And you didn't think you something didn't put was amiss? Two and two together. Yeah. And Lewis cannot actually put two and two together. We we get that impression. <laughs> he's he's an animal that's completely driven by impulse and instinct. And so he uh he asks Lewis, Where's the gun? He opens up the glove box. he Lewis says it's in the glove box. Yeah. And and then what happens next? You, you know it's going to happen. You, you it's do. weird, but even when it happens, you're kind of like just startled and, by and it. If I'm thinking correctly, I think we see it from out. It reminded me of that Godfather scene. You know, take the cannolis or uh, leave the gun, take the cannolis, because you see it from outside the car. I think. Right. The van, just bang, bang, and the blood splurting. Is it two bangs? I'm not sure. It is. It's two bangs. He shoots him in the chest, and then I, he goes up and shoots him in the chest again. Yeah. And uh, Ordell goes, what happened to you, man? You used to be beautiful. That line really sticks with me. I don't know why. I remember it from the first time I saw it. But, um, I mean, that that's what's happened to Lewis. I thought been, he was saying she was – like he was having remorse for Mel- Melanie. Okay. So that puts a different well, – He says that – he mentions it later to – to Jackie, oh, she's or no, to, to after he shot him dead, he goes, what happened to you, man? You used to be beautiful. So now he's he knows. All right, Max, and and we're worried for Max too because Ordell doesn't mess around. Max actually <laughs> sets up a meeting with Ordell, yeah, and goes to meet him at the place with Sharonda. No gun, no nothing. Yeah, in the middle of the night, he tells him, "I have your I have your bond." I'm paying you back. Which is weird. <laughs> Why would he? I guess he's just going to just keep the front up. You know, get out of Dodge. When, no, because when he gets there, he he basically this is the spin he puts on. it. He's like, Jackie's at the office. She has your money. He goes out. Where's my I want to know where my money is or I'm going to kill you. He basically, I'm, tell me where my money is or I'm going to kill you anyway. But yeah, I want to know where my money is. Yeah. Jackie's at. My office, so yeah. is your money. Yeah. It's locked up in my safe. And she wants to explain to you why she did it this way. Yeah. This was all part of the plan. But you scared her, man. And he's, he's, that's yeah. the part that he doesn't believe that Jackie could be afraid 
that she's cool under any circumstances. When he came to kill her, she rounded on him with a pistol, aimed at his business. He, he, that's the one thing he can't believe, that Jackie would be afraid. Max does a pretty good job selling it. She's like, you don't believe me? Call her. Yeah. Call her. Yeah, he does. And when you see them, you know, we don't have to go into it, to, but as you're walking out of Ordell's place, he's like, oh, you're right. I have never heard Jackie that upset before. Yeah. And Tarantino cuts back to the bail bondsman office, and there's Pam Greer rehearsing, doing and, all and the And she's in her fantastic suit, by the way, that she just bought. <laughs> and what is – I don't know which kind of gun that is, but it's a revolver, I think. And a she's – you can tell she's sort of rehearsing, like looking up, smiling, crap the gun, and aim. And she does that, what, five, six times? I was like three or four. I counted three or four okay. or around four times. But okay. Donna asked me, she goes, why is she doing that? And I said, I, I think she's just, you know. I still don't know knowing what comes next. Is that just a ruse for the audience? It could be or it just could be. She's going to be prepared for anything. Okay. What if he doesn't come in first? Yeah. What if it's it's because he walks, which is interesting because that's what he does. He walks Max the whole office. The lights are out. Yeah. She's waiting in the dark. She turns yeah. the lights off. Yeah. She's trying to sort of prep herself for his arrival, and he walks Max in initially. Yeah. And then he steps around Max. So I think that's her way. When she's pulling that gun out, I think yeah. she's just trying to – I'm going to be ready for whatever happens. I don't if, want if to shoot they, Max by accident. Yeah. But if I have to shoot Ordell, I will. Or if there's no backup or if, if somehow I'm left dry here, I've, I've got yeah. to take care of yeah. and, and that's some beautiful cinematography. I love the lighting when she turns the light off and just has the desk light on. Yeah. And it's just highlighting parts of her face as she smokes that cigarette and the smoke is wafting up. Just really lovely tense scene though but I, I i'm i'm thinking ordell you're you're pretty dumb right now because this has got to be a setup you know how did you not know ordell yeah oh oh what's interesting is as they're waiting outside the the um bail but is this when this happens ordell notices it's a delphonics song it's a the song as they're writing to the that's to right his office yeah yeah and and you can tell he's thinking are they romantically linked is this some sort of coincidence i know she loves this he knows her well right and then he's like the delphonics <laughs> and then all max does is he goes they're pretty good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a there's a little bit of abe vergota great actor um did a lot of movie got very popular in the in the mid to late 70s with barney miller and yeah. with barney miller a, a cop TV series before there was a Reno 911. It was, yes. There was a very clever, very funny. Really the best, I don't know, cop comedy show ever. It, it, best it really was. Edgy. Uh, yeah, it was good. Really good. But um, there's a little bit of Abe Vigoda. Yeah. Um, that, that character. And, and Fish or whatever. Our film fans would know him from Godfather, of course. Yes. But yeah, there's a little bit of that in Max Cherry. But I, I do love. When they're riding in the car, yeah, I the verse in the song is "I gave my heart and soul to you, girl." Yeah, and they're both these two men are, are in their way have completely entrusted themselves. Yeah, to Jackie Brown. In in one of the, I just want to mention this. I don't know when the song plays, 
but one of the songs on the soundtrack, I think it's who is, who is he and who is he to you? Bill Withers. There's mm-hmm. a lyric that goes something like she's too much woman for one man, but not enough for two. Mm. And, and I'm thinking about those lyrics as, as Ordell and Max are riding along. Like, it's not going to happen either way. Too much woman for one man, not enough for two. Do the lights come on? I'm trying to think. Ordell comes think- in to the office. She's sitting there cool in her new suit. And why are you sitting in the dark there? Hmm? What's wrong with that? What, what, why are you sitting in the dark? And trying to get sound friendly when there's very little trust between these two now. No. But uh, Ray Nicolette gets to be a hero, of course. Shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah. There's a very lingering long shot with Ordell, uh, his eyes open, but yeah. dead, shot dead yeah. in that office. Yeah. And I felt this deep sympathy for Ordell that I had not felt <laughs> all yeah, the see, other I'm times. See, I'm not there yet, Beth. I, I don't know. He's a cold-blooded I, guy. Because in, he is a cold-blooded guy, but did he start out that way? I don't know. It just feels like, you know, the theme with Street Life, these are all folks yeah. that know – this did you uh, listen to the lyrics of street life though when you're old it's going to get cold yeah as long as you're young it's fun it, there, there are some lots of uh references to being yes, past it yeah but for some reason they all know a, a slice of the the sandwich or yeah. <laughs> a layer in the sandwich that most of us don't ever encounter yeah right yeah um, Max, because his maybe his prior engagement with law enforcement. Now yeah. that he's a bail bondsman, yeah. the sad thing about Jackie in the novel, yeah. and you kind of get that sense too, is she just had the misfortune of hooking up with the wrong men, in you know men yeah. that she cared about, that she was faithful to, but wound up being you know train wrecks. Can, can I just say that that Pam Greer's real life mirrors that? So almost literally, there were many uh, bad players in her life. Mm. I don't want to say that cops are dirty. What is it I want to say? Well, well Ray's not a dirty cop. She she no, does ask not. him, "Are you ever tempted, you know, to take a pack of, of hundreds?" And he he's he's pretty, you know, straight and narrow. He is, but I, I you wonder sometimes if it's. I love the fact that Cherry Max Cherry goes. I don't know what you're doing because the money's going the wrong way, but you seem to be getting away with it. So, yeah, you know, more power, more to, power you. to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's just they, they all kind of know the corruption yeah. of that layer of, of society. Yeah. And I, and I, feel and I think like, that's also saving his or covering his own ass, too. If Max says, I don't judge you, I'm not judging you, I'm not going to turn you in. Uh, and, and in fact, early in the movie, I think Ordell says, do we have lawyer client confidentiality? He, he, he wants to know that. Or is he playing Max? That? I don't know. Maybe it's just that Samuel L. Jackson is just so magnetic. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I find myself grudgingly liking Ordell, but for yeah. some reason, I just, it's like have you this like Tony, Tony Soprano, even though he's a sociopath, psychopath. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I had this pity for Ordell. Like yeah. you're the one that winds up that. Yeah. They, you were very smart. Yeah. You're a very good criminal, but you, you're the one that's dead. Yeah. All right. Then we have sort of an afterword, right? They could have ended there. 
It even says three days later. It does. You're right. There's another. What are those damn things called? Intertidal card. I guess it would be in the old silent days, which we weren't around for kids, but we we know about them. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we're back at Max's office and Jackie's there and she's looking lovely and free, free from worry now. And we learned that she's going to take off and go to Spain. Any Max goes uh, Madrid or Barcelona. It's weird because she's like, have you been, you know, yeah. have you been? I don't think he has ever been. Yeah. But he says, oh, they eat, they, they dine till midnight or something. They, they dine start at dinner at midnight. I think he saw that off, off of an old um, uh, Andy Griffith show. <laughs> Wouldn't it be when the... <laughs> On the trip to Spain with her two friends or something. Oh, my God. (laughs) Aunt B can't be going to other countries. That's just outrageous. You know, it's funny, though, Sam. I've just looked this up. This Jackie Brown is two hours and 40 minutes. Yeah. I pegged it wrong. I thought it was a short film before I went back in. No, it's not. For our listeners, of all the two-hour and 40-minute movies, this does not feel like Two hours and no, forty minutes. It, it just flies it by. Yep. And you're so riveted. Even <laughs> on your fourth viewing, I I will tell you now, I can't care about the time. I just can't. No, you don't. No, yeah. there's not one draggy part of this yeah. film. It's just great so, from start to finish. So this afterward, I guess, is to tie up the loose ends because we're we're all burning with curiosity. What about Max and Jackie? Are they going to get together? Are they not? And <laughs> We know, I guess, viscerally that they can't be together. No, they can't. They're, they're two very different people. And Max knows this too, that, that she needs to be free. She needs to have the life. She's been working for $16,000 at the bottom of the pit airlines. She's 44 years old. She's been treated badly. She's been hunted down and she's going to Spain now with, with the spoils. But she asks, she said, well, come with me. And she's, she's not, I don't think she's teasing. She's like, come with me. That's what I want to ask you, Beth. Do you think she's, it's just a casual, polite, I have to ask you this question just to make you no, feel better? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because there was just too much connection from the get-go. Yeah. I think she knows he'll say no, though. And what does Max get at the end of all this? Well, I'll tell you in in the novel, it's left yeah. ambiguous. Yeah. In yeah. fact, in the novel, there's a nod more to the that they kind of go away together. Oh, okay. I've yeah. gotten to the very end. There's a little end, more yeah. of a nod that that because uh, it's sort of like she is drawing it. He follows her out to the car, and she yeah. is drawing out the flirtation, drawing out the flirtation, yeah. the yeah. invitation, and and he's he's not he. Like a few sentences before that, he's like, "No, he's not going to go." But, but he—it's like he's saying one thing in his head, yeah. but the actions in the novel, he is just following Ooh. her. Okay. <laughs> what were your terms? The way. optimistic versus the pessimistic. Uh, uh, and yeah, that's Vivica's own way of interpreting it. Yeah. But uh, if I didn't I know if that was a it, term of art in the the movie biz or or what. That's. I don't think so. I think that's just her way, okay. her, you know, that she can decide. Okay. You know, that this, this is, but in my mind, um, yeah, I, 
But but she does walk up to Max after inviting him, and she kisses him. He kisses her back. It's nothing. It's it's a very chaste kiss, but it's, it's a, a very smooch. It's a very it's a smooch. It's, it's a mwah. But it's but it's, it's a sweet slow one. And yeah. you you it's can no tell with every fiber face. of his being, he'd just want to throw his arms around her. And it's a tender real kiss. Yeah. Between both of them. Well, I'm still miffed that she drove Ordell's car there because it just seems like that's a hot car. To oh, she says to him, I forget. Because you scared of me, Max, and he does oh, yeah. this little thing. You, you see it from behind. You, you know how you hold your finger up a, an yeah. inch or so, like a little bit. Like a little bit. A little, little bit. A little bit. Yep. I know what you're capable of, so yeah. The phone rings. Yeah. He picks it up. Back to business. And he's talking. What's your, And I love that fact. Is What's your son charged with? Mm. He has an important, whether he realizes it or not, there are young men, young people, uh, offenders out there who've just made bad decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, much like probably Jackie did in her younger life. Yeah. But and doesn't he set the much like down Ordell like he, did? He I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't There's know. There's something a little bigger about this film that that's not just the, you know, the crook heist movie. Yeah. Which I think makes it a cut above your typical heist it's, movie. It's got heart and it's also got character motive we know what the motivation is usually in a heist movie it's all cut 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 go 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 slick 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 and quentin tarantino lets the characters play out and we care about all of them even the bad guys right we care yeah even even yeah even the bad guys even beaumont yep you know, there's something sort of just he just Beaumont. Chris Tucker. Well, well and you know looks what? Like they a don't, kid. I think in, that in the book, he's characterized as a numbers guy, like he can calculate anything in his head. Super smart. Not just your average carjacker or something else, but, but yeah. somebody very useful as an accountant type. And he doesn't present like that, you know, skinny no, bare I, I think, I think he, Yeah, I think he he kind of moves away from that in in the film Quentin yeah. Tarantino does. I mean, because to, to me, he makes know. it lean and he, he needed to. So that that worked well. And yeah, it's probably agonizing to to cut the Beaumont in the in the film to me is just a young hustler. Yeah, he, but he's hustling, making money, yeah. you know, doing crime. <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. And, and it's sort of. But he has Ordell, saying, people like Ordell telling him, ah, oh, that's nothing. You're not going to get caught. Nah, they don't care about you. So he's, he's scared for the right reasons, but he's being told, you know, you got nothing to worry about. Yeah. Right. And yeah, these aren't big bad guys, these yeah. Koreans that I'm going to do this deal yeah. with. And, and also when he's afraid danger. that he's going to do time, Ordell but really puts it before the, you know, before you're getting knocked off. Uh, nah, nah, they don't, they're just messing with you, just fucking with you. I like the exploration of innocence yeah. that even in this realm, yeah. this part of Quentin Tarantino's yeah. universe, that there is innocence. There's conniving. There's innocence. There are layers to each character, whether it's De Niro or Max or Jackie or Melanie or even the even Ray. I mean, Michael Keaton, that could be a real throwaway character, but he even has dimension. Well, what happens is. He picks up the phone. It's a some kid's gotten himself in trouble. The parents calling about bonding him out. She's leaving. I like the long sort of like with the hands 
she goes out to the car and he's he he's on the phone and he says excuse me like in the middle of this conversation he's like yeah. could i call you back in 30 minutes and this is where i think he's going to run after her wait <laughs> you know <laughs> we're going to drive off into <laughs> the sunset leave. don't leave shane um, and but he de- de- tarantino doesn't cheapen that no he just needs max needs to collect his thoughts because that is the lost love of his life that just drove away and who's that's, going to compare anyhow no one yeah and that's you know things he turns he does a gesture with his hands you don't know if he's is he crying um because there Ooh, is a, things go me. things go out of focus yeah is he just kind of like putting his his uh hands up to his uh face yeah. in contemplation but his but love it, is so pure he walks away with nothing except the gift of love that that she gave him, which isn't consummated, which isn't realized. It's a more it's a more love because at that point, if you're loving somebody, if you're caring, and she has to, yeah, she entrusts him with her life it, it, on a level that she's not just gonna trust anybody. <laughs> this is either her freedom or you know her life. I would have liked her to give him a little money so he could get out of the bail bond business. She offered. She's like, I'm surprised you only took, you know, 10. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because I felt bad. And he felt bad (laughs) about even taking that, right? Yeah. Oh, to know that somebody cares about you that much. I I honestly do think the invitation was sincere. But it would never work. And I, I think he gave her the gift of freedom. She didn't need another person. You know, forcing her into a, you know, little picket fence house and and that whole thing. She needed That's some, true. some freedom. And maybe Spain gets boring after six months. Who knows? I think everyone she encounters, just in, even the court judge, right? Everyone softens when they look at her. Here's my Valentine. <laughs> to our listeners. It's, a, it's my Valentine movie. It's a great film. It is now it's it's like you said, it's aged like fine wine. Oh, yeah. I am so glad you picked this film because I really thought I was one and done with this one. I'd seen several other Quentin Tarantino films multiple times, and this is one I'd never returned to. And you know what? I wasn't fucking mature enough to see it back in the day. I needed it now. It's just funny to me because I've, I swear to God, every time I've put it on, you can only watch a movie so much. And I said I don't like to watch movies that I love because I don't want to ruin something that's yeah. dear Become to me. desensitized to it, or yeah, yeah. De- yeah. And it, I can't, you know, I just oh okay, okay, it's been twenty minutes. I better turn it off. <laughs> like I could sit there and just watch it through so many times. Beth, we've been doing this a little over a year now. And I've never watched a film five times. I've watched this film <laughs> five times. And it's not a short film, as we pointed out. It's <laughs> watched it with subtitles, without subtitles, with commentary, without commentary, after watching it with commentary, and then just running it through just for the visuals. It's just, guys, gals out there, just get this film. Have a look if you haven't in a while. And if you've never seen it, you are... This this is Beth's Valentine to you. 
It's a it's a beautiful film. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Sam, because you do collect vinyl, there is a Jackie Brown <gasps> blue collector's disc. Oh, I don't know where you can uh, wait. Uh, uh, an LP, an album, yeah, or LP? A, okay, LP. Okay, yeah. I'm in. I'm in. If I'm you love good it. music, if you love the era, if you're interested in the the genre, yeah. um, the subgenre of black black exploitation films, yeah. which were empowering films for a lot of folks that yeah. did not see the rapper their their communities and their vision of uh heroism and and yeah i i i get that the purpose of exploitation film is to make money off of the marginalized yes but and it also added to a stereotype a lot of that you know you can I was thinking of the film um, Live and Let Die, yeah. which when we were kids, we thought used to think that that Bond movie because the music was cool, right? That was an excellent opening song, yes. <laughs> There's so much negative portrayal oh of, of yeah. black Americans in that. I've not seen that in a very long time. I wonder if I would just shudder throughout it. I don't know. Oh, it it it's bad. Okay. <laughs> it's really <laughs> bad. Oh, dear. The boat chase is good, but, you know, you can leave the rest. Hey, we got away from what are you watching? What are you watching lately? Oh, my God. I don't know how I was lassoed into this, but we had to watch the last released season of Outlander. And I get to pick the film next, Beth. And I'm going for something <laughs> hardcore and dangerous and, I don't know, Killing Eve-esque, if you've got anything. Killing Eve-esque? Yes. I, I- there's a bunch of really good. I wish you guys would check out uh, Manhunter or Mindhunter. Yes, you've said that. And there's one. Really oh shoot, what's the one with my girl there? Um, Dakota Fanning. Oh, The Alienist. The Alienist was was really good too, especially season one. Yeah, I can't remember now if there's two. Mindhunter and I'm writing it down, so I, I've written season it down about really fifty times. But yes, what are but you watching? I'm watching. The Murdoch trial. <laughs> I've you been and my to that. family. What is this fascination? I don't understand. Oh, the corruption, just yeah. the criminality, the privilege. Now they're from my it territory, is... right? My birthland. Oh God, yeah. Okay, yeah. What is stunning to me is that, uh, man, if you're born with the the right the right metal spoon in your mouth, yeah. Who the stuff now, that he was al- allowed to kind of in his own firm, um, get away yeah. with, or is, his father's firm, actually. Yeah. So I think it's his father's Is this because firm. of the boat wreck or or another angle to their corruption? I, I never knew. No, um, he had been funneling money out of that firm for years, oh. long before. Uh, he was stealing from law practice. Then at one point, oh, it's just so convoluted, the financial part of yeah. this trial is stunning it is there are definitely two different americas one is where most of us live and function and one belongs to a very 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 slim percentage who uh because of their you know maybe generational wealth and reputation and and status um they get away with murder at one time he floated a a check for over a hundred thousand dollars overdraft. They only charged him a five dollar fee. Are you kidding me? If I go five dollars over, they that's floated $30. that. 
they floated that, and not only that, they floated that overdraft for months, and over that period of time, they only charged them $5. There's two different Americas, folks. It definitely. It just is. How are you watching this unfold? I'm curious. I'll, th- I'll tell you, there's a, well, on, if you're uh, into YouTube, there's a whole bunch of channels. Okay. But I have really appreciated, there's a local television station like yeah. nine, channel 19 or something yeah. is actually putting up, they're doing a really excellent job at editing the testimonies, okay. the separate testimonies to where it's, it's really coherent. You're not sitting there for nine hours watching testimony. So it's not courtroom TV or whatever that channel is. That you covers. could probably find some, yeah. those are actually smaller snippets, but the, uh, the local station down there is is doing a really great job of just having the whole testimony in chunks so you'll get like a 40 minute chunk some of the testimonies very you know very long it's like two hours but they'll edit out all the uh, um, recess and breaks and okay the judge is so cool he's like okay everybody stand (laughs) so instead of calling for recess because they got a lot of witnesses yeah you'll see like the 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 audio goes off and you'll see people like standing in the courtroom and just kind of walking around. Oh, no. If I start watching this, I'm going to be hooked. I, I You're going to be it. hooked. Okay. You're going to be hooked. That might be my new story then. But uh, I just – it blew me away what he was getting away with financially. <sighs> well, you know about the boat wreck, right? That was a few years yes, ago. Yes. You, you had told me about the boat wreck. Yeah. I knew nothing about it. Yeah. And you had told me about it. So when I heard that my, 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 I have family down in Beaufort, South Carolina, it's one of my, my home territory, and uh, they're all caught up in, in watching this unfold as well. And I thought it was related to that because somebody well, did die during that. There's just such, such a mess. Yeah, I don't want to get into it. We're not a true crime podcast. No, we're not, but <laughs> it would make life easier for us. If <laughs> it would, but, but we, we love the, the movies. But we love the, the struggle. Mo- the moving pictures. Mofos. Um, be good to each other. Yeah. Read. Watch something different. Read something new. We always encourage that. Be safe. Be kind to one another. We're so grateful to have you as our listeners, and we have some exciting new things coming up for the rest of February, don't we, Beth? Yes, we do. It's a month of sharing our movie Valentine's with you. Yeah. So uh, we we hope you check out Jackie Brown and really go down that rabbit hole. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at celluloidpudding at gmail.com, pudpod, P-U-D-D-P-O-D, on Instagram. Check out our link tree if you want to put us a little little something-something in our tip jar. That'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> or you can uh, connect with us on Twitter at celluloidpudding, P-U-D-D-N, on Twitter. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, maybe in, like within a few days. <laughs> Good night, good morning, good afternoon. Good night.